LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Friday morning. It's nice to have your company. We're quite busy out there this morning. Quite busy. Busy, busy, busy. Everybody sort of buzzing around because it's Friday and we love Friday. I don't know why I love Friday. And it's not because it's the weekend, because, it, it, frankly, I mean, I like, I like most days. I'm, I'm one of these peculiar people who likes Monday as well. Uh, we said a short while ago, because I'd, I'd been out for afternoon tea, and somebody said, um, Sally Farmelow's not very well. And Sally had been on the programme before. As you know, she had that, uh, that Jeffrey Archer fling, and I think she went out with, I think she went out with Andrew Neil. I think she'd also been out with Clive Sinclair. She was quite quite high profile. She's got um, secondary cancer at the moment. It's inoperable. She's dying. She knows she's dying. She's trying to, she's keeping a diary, which they're, they're going to publish, and it's going to go to breast cancer charities. Because it's this, it's this dreadful thing, isn't it, that we don't know, you know, when our time is. You know, we've, we've, in fact, over this weekend, we're going to be talking about breast cancer because uh, Liz Hurley, and we'll have a little clip from Liz Hurley. I went down to talk to her the other day and she is looking after breast cancer charities, which was set up, this uh, particular one, the Pink Ribbon, by Estee Lauder's company. And so I knew somebody had said that Sally was, was dying and she's not very well. She said her skin's taken on this sort of peculiar yellow pallor. She said at least, it's, <laughs> at least it saves on the fake tan which is fairly good. So she's being upbeat and positive because that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. We don't know how we're going to face things. If somebody, you know, if I was called to the doctor tomorrow and he said, oh, by the way, Steve, you're not fat, you've got a huge tumour growing inside you, I'd be going, well, at least I know what it is. I knew it couldn't be the food I'm eating because I hardly eat anything. Eat, eat enough to sort of feed a small rabbit, I think, provided the rabbit eat, eats about 20 times a day. So we don't know. We don't know how we're going to face up to it, you know, if when the doctor tells you or the hospital or the consultant, that something is not right and there's not anything they can do about it. You've just got to make the best of what you've got because it depends on what you believe in, doesn't it? It depends if you believe in there'll be people listening to Sally herself could be listening to this programme this morning. You don't know, you know, because people, when, when they worry about things, they don't sleep too well. And we just don't know, you know, I mean, am I going to go out screaming, you know, in a, no. But I'm going to bore the pants off anybody who wants to hear about it. Absolutely, because it's your only shot, isn't it? It's your only shot at the, the remainder. Unless you believe, of course, that you come back again as somebody else. But I don't believe that. I think once you've gone, you've gone there. I don't believe I go sit on a cloud. I don't believe I'm going to be sort of going through any pearly gates and there's a kindly man with a beard there with his arms outstretched, standing in a shaft of golden light. And I'll be going, oh, that bloody producer follows me everywhere. He'll be standing there. Go, Steve, come on in. No, leave me alone. And then you wake up you know, in a cold sweat, thinking the producer has now morphed into the almighty. That's, that's the worrying thing, isn't it? Come, come into my house. No, I don't want to go in there. So that's the, there'll be people listening at the moment. You might be in hospital, you might be in hotel. I don't care where you are. I really don't care. It just means for two and a half hours, you can get everything off your chest. You can chuck it all at it, you know, at the wall, and then some of it falls off and some of it stays there. But uh, either way, Hopefully, between now and 6.30, there might be something to smile at in the newspapers. Sally's uh, regrets uh, are not something to smile about, but she's facing up to it in, in the same way that probably relative... My mother faced up to death when she was told I was with her when the consultant said it's, it's terminal. And she then said, and I always remember sitting on the bed with her and the consultant. I thought the consultant was bloody useless, to be honest with you. I really did. I was so, so cross about it. And, um, and she said, well, how long? And he said, I don't know. 
He said, we, we can't say yet. He said, there'll be various stages that it will go through. They'll make you as comfortable as possible. And they'll make sure you've got everything. But at the, at the end of the day, there's no coming back from it. You know, it's, it's the one-way journey. And uh, to be honest with you, w- without the help of the Macmillan nurses, who are just brilliant... I mean, absolutely brilliant. I know that lots of people are having coffee mornings and raising money for Macmillans. And they're trying to raise as much money as, as possible for cancer to try and get it through to people that it can strike anybody. You know, young, old, male, female, children, doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter who it, who it is. She talks about seeing her father uh, dead because she missed him dying. He was, in a, he was in a hospice, and she missed him by a few hours. I miss my mother by a few hours. Exactly the same thing. It's, you know, it's typical, isn't it? They always say that somebody who is, is in the last throes of life, you go outside of the room, you come back, and they've, and they've gone in that interim period. You go, Don't go anywhere. As if they're going to go anywhere. Gloria Honeyford's talking to Piers Morgan about Karen dying. And Karen Keating, as you know, was married to Russ Lindsay. And uh, I'd met both of them. I'd seen Russ on numerous occasions. And what had happened is Karen had fallen ill. Oh, tea's all right. Very nice. See what he's managed to do with this one. We've given him a bigger cup this morning to see if he can cope with, uh, with size. And uh, apparently can. <laughs> so that's good, isn't it? You stepped out of Burton's window or something this morning. You're sort of doing on a modelling assignment. Where have, you, have you been for dinner somewhere posh? You don't need to dress for McDonald's, honestly. You can go in there in jeans and T-shirt if you want to. Where have you been? <laughs> what, you just wear this normally, do you? It's very bizarre. I mean, yesterday we had pink bracelets. This morning we got a, a sort of a suit kind of affair going on. I don't know what it is, actually. <laughs> he's worn it before. I think he's secretly on a date or something. Perhaps he's, sort of, perhaps he's found somebody to share his bedsit with. <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, well, there's time. Not wearing that suit, there isn't. No. Anyway, so, um, and so, um, what's that? Oh, yes, so Karen Keating. I think she was in Switzerland. I might be wrong. I might have got that bit wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, she was she was definitely overseas, and what they decided was because she was she was dying, they had to get her back to this country as quick as possible and back to Gloria's house, which is down in Seven Oaks. One of the houses that Gloria's got is in Seven Oaks, and uh, so they drove literally through the night with Karen, I think, wrapped in blankets, to get her back here, and he he did get her back here in time. I mean, it's just it's it's almost sod's law, isn't it? It's almost sod's law that you sort of try and do. So anyway, they got her back. They get her back to Gloria's house and, uh, and they put her to bed. Uh, she doesn't want anybody to see her getting undressed. Only Russ. Only Russ. And then when she was uh, undressed and ready, she climbed into bed or got helped into bed. Russ climbed in with her and then Gloria came in as well. And she died within a matter of hours. And it's still very, very painful for Gloria, who's written, I think, two books, could be three books, on it. And they've had various uh, fundraisers, things. Because, you know, you're not supposed to bury your children, are you? God, I'm depressing myself this morning. <laughs> so you're not supposed to bury your children. They're supposed to bury you. And it's, it's still quite painful for Gloria. I'm absolutely sure. I've, you know, I've talked to Michael Keating about you. I think also features on the programme. He said after Karen died, he said to Gloria, listen, you know, she might have died, but you've got two other children who need your love and you've got grandchildren as well. And that, that kind of gets you, gets you out of it gets you out of it. Anyway, enough, enough depressing news. Enough depressing news. Who can we pick on this morning? Oh, I tell you what, I, was, I, was, I laughed like a drain when I read that over in Adelaide, uh, Rihanna turned up. And so she turns up for her own concert. Now, you know, as far as I'm concerned, she's a third-rate act. She's a third-rate act. Again, she was an hour and 20 minutes late on stage. It's just down to ignorant rudeness. 
you know, and she got booed, and quite rightly so. I would have actually walked out, but then, of course, you know, if you're a fan of somebody, you do stand there and, and you do kind of put up with it. It kind of makes it sort of better, and if you paid that much money to go and see this old baggage, well, that's your problem, isn't it? But an hour and 20 minutes late, what's the reason for it? No reason at all. They just think to yourself, you know, and, um, and it's, it's also, she sort of, she did this set reliant on her unknown hits, and, um, and then she appeared to address the fact she was late by going, it always seems to take time to get to Australia. I mean, she's either thick as a brick. She was late when she turned up at Twickenham. Again, she got booed. It's, it's the height of rudeness. It's the height of ignorance. And it's also sticking two fingers up to your fans by going, I really couldn't care less whether you stand there till the cows come home. You'll wait till I decide to appear on stage. Elizabeth Taylor was the same. Elizabeth Taylor, dreadfully rude. That, that model from Streatham, Naomi Thingamibob, her... She's also, she's also late. She thinks it's very clever. It's not. It's extremely common and extremely rude. You know, you don't turn up late. I've said before, this show starts at four. We're here at four. Well, we're here before four because we've got to prepare it and, you know, and uh, phone the lawyers and get them listening to the programme. Got to put makeup and, uh, and the producer's got to put his, uh, his new white cloak on, edged with gold. Could have been in, could have been in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but he was slightly old to be playing Joseph, I'm afraid. Bring me my coloured coat. And um, so, as far as I'm concerned, somebody turns up late. I'd, you know, <laughs> turn your back on them, walk out. You must be a prat if you stand there and wait for something like Rihanna. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. It's like it's like Vegas. You go there. The show starts at eight o'clock. It starts at eight. They're professionals. Rihanna's a third-rate amateur. Hour and twenty minutes. I mean, you know, no, no reason for it whatsoever. It's so annoying. I get really angry about things like that. I probably shouldn't do, because it, it's not really of, of any consequence, is it? Unless you're a, unless you're a fan of the particular person, you're prepared to stand there and get sort of some dreadful disease. Um, Daily Star this morning. Uh, what have we got? Oh, Natalie Gamedi is at the centre of a strictly bet frenzy. They're coming up with all sorts of bits about the Strictly dance, because I think it starts this weekend, doesn't it? And so you get to see a bunch of third-rate people who need the money desperately, because they haven't got anything else. Uh, there's also... Uh, they've opened the Big Brother house, um, and they've got a few people you've never heard of who go back there, including the ghastly Sophie Anderton. There's an old baggage called Nicola McLean. Nicola McLean. But I did watch yesterday... Oh. Oh. I watched The Housewives of Vancouver... Yes. This is the programme where three of them are OK and one of them is so, so cheap and horrible with her ghastly daughter. But the worst person in it, this is where they bring the... You know when they've done the Housewives of Orange County, Housewives of Beverly Hills? They have a guy sitting in the middle who sort of, you know, does the thing. In this, in this particular instance, they've got some queen who's obviously the producer who can't present for Toffee. He supposedly... He says, I mean, he isn't the same bloke who normally does it. He's somebody completely different. And he's rubbish. I mean, he really is, in terms of presenting, rubbish. And then he admitted he was the producer, and when I did this, and, did, and I'm thinking, oh, you're too much of a Mary. I'm sorry. It needs a butch man to sit in the middle to keep these women in order. But this horrible old woman, the other side, whose name I cannot remember, I just know she's common and she's vile. She hates the other women. I mean, she sits there with a face like a... Uh, you know, an avocado pulled inside out. I mean, she's that revolting. Her daughter, well, I mean, frankly, you know, if I thought she could bear the weight, she'd be pole dancing or something. They're both revolting. Absolutely disgustingly revolting. She's, 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 she talks Jewish all the time. She's always doing little Jewish mannerisms and Jewish this and Jewish this and this. And then we come here, we've got there, and we've got these, and all the rest of it. And it turned, so the other one said, are, are, are you actually Jewish? 
Yes, I'm Jewish, she says. Of course I'm Jewish. You know, she, she plays up to the Jewish thing. Then it turns out she wasn't. She converted. So, you know, not strictly the same, is it? Not strictly the same. And, um, but she's so vile. I mean, she re- this is the one whose daughter was thrown out of the restaurant because she was barred, because she's a nasty piece of work. Like mother, like daughter. And all the other people there. She's saying to this other woman, so, you know, have you had Botox? One goes, what's it got to do with you? Mind your own business, you ugly old woman. I mean, she re- she's so vile, I find myself shouting at the television, which I rarely do. Except yesterday, I did shout at the television and I laughed. Because on, on the Alan Titchmarsh show, they were doing cake making with sooty. And, and a couple of other people. Who else was on? I'm trying to think who else was on the Alan Titchmarsh show. But they had people there, and then Sooty brings out his water pistol, which he is prone to doing. And Sweep was there. Going, <laughs> every time Sweep does anything, you just know it's funny. Then every so often, Sweep disappears under the table. And everybody goes, hmm. And, you know, which is quite good. It was, it was quite adult yesterday, but very funny at the same time. Anyway, oh, look at me being late. 17 minutes past four. LBC 97.3. <laughs> Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past four. Coming up this morning with Nick Ferrari, Community Secretary Eric Pickles. We'll be telling Nick why he thinks we should ease parking rules to encourage more motorists. Plus, as London's top cop says he wants people to love their police force, Nick will be asking, will that ever happen? And why are London A&Es facing a winter crisis? Looking at the paper today, Nick Dubois, the Conservative MP for Enfield North, will be with Nick in the studio. The couple from uh, the Housewives of Vancouver, Jodie and daughter Mia, vile. I mean, in terms of filth, these are right at the top of the list. A horrible, nasty, spiteful, vindictive, talentless old hag with badly bleached hair and quite clearly so old it's embarrassing. You could cut her in half and count the rings, I should imagine. Uh, Jonathan says uh, Rihanna was booed after being late in Singapore. She's just... Re- I wonder why people bother. Why would you bother going to see somebody who's late on stage? I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Uh, somebody says, I think Sally Farmelow did a naked skydive. God, I hope she's not listening this morning. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that. Uh, another one here. This is, uh, oh, the, uh, the Sun this morning are running with this angel-faced British girl who last night became the world's most wanted. This is uh, Samantha Lethwaite, the world's most wanted woman. Another pathetic ignoramus, I'm afraid. 20 years, 29 she is. And uh, she's been linked to the attack in which Muslim fanatics are feared to have killed up to 150 people. She went to school in Aylesbury, then she married, married one of the 7-7 bombers. I mean, she's of limited intelligence. That's all you can say about her. Uh, Joey Barton went back to the classroom to study for a degree in philosophy. Oh is this the same Joey Barton that loves gay players? Which is lovely. And <laughs> whatever, whatever. But I did enjoy, I did enjoy a panorama uh, exposure last night on the sweatshops of India. Now, you remember that Indian sweatshops were in the news a while ago because of the fire which killed so many people. And the reason the fire killed so many people is because the metal gates letting them out were locked. Totally illegally. These sweatshops prey on people's misery. The fact they need the job. How much do they get for working a 13-hour day? £2.50. That's the equivalent. But what these crooks do in these shops, in these sweatshops, is they keep two sets of books. There is the one set of books which they show to the overseas buyers, and that means that they, they claim that they start at 8 in the morning and finish at 5.30. And then the other set of books, 
which proves that they don't adhere to this at all. And Panorama went in and discovered that people were doing 13-hour days. One woman was working under a bench. They're turning out jeans, jumpers, and uh, where are they sold? Primark. Primark had an order for a million pairs of jeans, I think, from these sweatshops. These people work to the point of exhaustion. In one particular factory, they were making jumpers, and they claimed that they finished at 5.30. The lights were still burning at 2.30 in the morning, and they filmed through the window. They're still working on their machines. They're sweatshops. They're run by crooks, bent people who are looking for cheap clothing to sell over here. And over here we go, oh, that's all right, we'll buy it because it's cheap. You don't think about the misery that's been caused. Who were the other people who were buying from there? Little. 150,000 pairs of dungarees they'd ordered from this particular factory. Uh, the other, H&M, Gap. All big high street names. All huge high street names, which buy, but quite clearly they don't go and check. Because when they do go and check, the owners of the factories say to them, um, yes, here, here are the books. You can see that they all clock off at 530 and of course they don't. They're still there at 10.30 at night, these people. And they talk to the Bangladeshi Workers' Union and they talk to a lot of employees who had to remain anonymous. And the Bangladeshi Workers' Union said, this, this goes on all the time. This is, you know, it's, it's impossible to police. In one particular place, they had some, some metal gates like you'd find at the top of an escalator, you know, metal pull-across shutter kind of things. And, uh, and the guard decided to go off, so he locked the people in. They watched him lock the gate and then walk away. And he did it quite a number of times. And then they went in, went into the factory with hidden cameras and said, are, are the gates open? Yes, yes, the gates are open all the time. People can come and go. Well, they can't. It was a lie. They were blatantly lying. And in fact, I think H&M have said they're not going to be buying any more sweaters from this particular company. Because it's absolutely appalling. It's the exploitation. But, but you don't care. You don't care. And the reason you don't care, that's why Primark's there. All you care about is the fact it's cheap. You couldn't care less whether somebody dies as a result of making a clothing. You're not bothered about things like that. You could stand outside Primark with a big banner saying they buy from sweatshops. And it wouldn't make any difference. They say, well, they tell us they don't. What are they supposed to do? Police it all the time? It's impossible to police. They're never going to get these garments out at the prices that they want. And Primark want cheap prices. And you want cheap prices. Who cares about a few poor Indians, you know, who can sort of barely scrape a little... £2.50 a day, scraping a living together for doing, like, 14, 15 hours. You don't care, do you? Not bothered about things like that. Just want something cheap. Just want something cheap. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Uh, Craig Greville Horwood was eating kangaroo. Yes, they, they were asking him to try different sausages. One of them, I think, was crocodile, and it tasted like uh, chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. If in doubt, it tastes like chicken. And then he tried kangaroo. See, I wouldn't eat kangaroo. There was a restaurant in town we used to feature on my programme years ago and they used to do all the exotic animals like zebra and crocodile. And I couldn't eat anything like that. I know it sounds odd. I didn't even like frog's legs. I did try them once. I didn't, I just didn't, didn't take to it at all. I don't like anything like that. So frog's legs, I can, I can eat mussels just about, but I'm, I'm a bit funny on sort of food that they say, you know, when they, when they do the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of It, I really want to force Anton Deck to eat witchetty grubs. I really do. I don't, I don't sort of, I could, anything that moves on a, imagine lifting up the saucer and there's a thing that looks like a giant bug sitting there and it moves and you've got to eat it. No, thank you. I could never have been an Aborigine. I couldn't squeeze things out of ants' bottoms and then eat it. But they do, don't they? And they say, oh, dear, it's just dreadful. In fact, I think I'd probably end up being vegetarian. If I ended up sort of being stranded on an island, I think I'd have to become... I'd have to sit down eating grass all the time. Dock leaves and stuff like that. I'd be absolutely hopeless. 
I don't need to go out there and kill a rabbit or anything. I just couldn't do it. I was watching a, one of these wildlife documentaries the other day, and it was on Arctic foxes. And these birds get bored in the, ne- get bored in the nest, and then the Arctic fox rushes in when the, when, the, when the mothers are off, and it literally, it couldn't pick up enough in its jaws. I think it managed to get about six, and they take them back, kill them, and then they bury them, and then they, um, and then they sort of go back and eat them later on. Sounds horrible, doesn't it, really? <laughs> Not my sort of thing. I think I might become vegetarian. I do like meat. I think it's well known around here that Steve Allen enjoys his meat. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I have eaten vegetables. It's a bit boring, isn't it? I have, I have tried vegetarian. I always thought it was nut roast. I've got nothing, nothing against nuts being roasted. But I'm just sort of, sort of thinking, I couldn't eat that all the time. Especially the, the healthy lifestyle. When you hear In Conversation this week and you listen to what Liz Hurley eats, you'll suddenly think to yourself, I'm so glad I drink. <laughs> because it just doesn't... It just doesn't sound particularly exciting. She doesn't have any, any processed food at all. The producer's a bit like that. He does pre lentils. Yeah. I sort of think it's slightly pretentious. It's the sort of thing, you know, he's probably also got sandals that he walks around in a caftan at home. Yeah. I've still got this horrible image of him, you know, welcoming you into the pearly gates of heaven. You know, the gates open, you, you put your swipe card in, and there he is standing on a cloud, wearing all white, trimmed with gold. I can see it now, holding a, holding a little sort of wand kind of fair. You're going, Steve. Welcome to heaven. And I'm going to go... <laughs> Get me out of here as quick as possible. Uh, Rebecca Proctor had a, a five-month Lambrini binge. And she went from ugly to even uglier. And so, I mean, she's not at all... I don't know bother to a picture. I mean, honestly, anybody who drinks Lambrini for five months, they deserve everything they get. So they've got a picture of this poor ugly woman. And then they say, and she's gone like this. Well, she's got a different hairstyle for a start. She's gone a bit bloated. She's gone a bit sort of patchy. But, I mean, she was never a looker. I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not being rude here. I'm being quite complimentary to her. You know, if somebody's unattractive, I tell them on the streets. I go up behind them, I tap them on the shoulder, I go, stay in more. And if they're a bit overweight, I say, eat at the salad bar. You know, there's no point. I followed two women down Twickenham High Street the other day. They were, it must have been mother and daughter. They were helping each other because they were so fat. They were, I mean, they were. I mean, I thought it was people wrestling in a sack of potatoes from where I was standing, but it turned out not to be. You know, you've got to tell people. It's no but pussyfooting around. Otherwise, we become this sort of mealy mouth country. You, go, you can't tell people the truth. And you have to tell people the truth. That's why on the X Factor, I love it when they get somebody on there who goes, I'm sorry, you're rubbish. You're absolute rubbish. But, you know, they don't want to sort of incur the wrath of these, uh, of these people. You know, when they sort of lose their temper and start, start throwing, throwing things at him. Uh, Tesco have said sorry for selling a psycho killer fancy dress outfit that sparked outrage. It's got Psycho Ward on it. But it's, it's based on the Hello Clary kind of thing. I mean, I don't do anything like that. I don't need it. I've got the outfits already at home. I mean, to me, it just looks like, uh, you know, it's just an orange jumpsuit and you get the mask as well. I mean, it, it, I've never been invited to a fancy dress party. Well, I have, but they're generally just sort of one-to-one basis and they're generally paid by credit card. But, I mean, that's, apart from that, you know, you look at these out... Who's buying this in Tesco? You go to Tesco, what sort of customers have they got? Well, they go in there and buy a psycho outfit. And so Tesco have now said sorry for selling it. Apparently it sparked outrage. It's a, it's a £20 mental patient get-up. I mean... Somebody somewhere's got to lose their job over it, haven't they? But uh, they, one came with a straight jacket. I mean, I don't have any problems with a straight jacket. I haven't actually worn one recently, but, I mean, £20 seems quite reasonable. I mean, some of the Anne Summer shops, they charge a fortune for things like that. So at least Tesco's undercutting. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, and the time now is 4.30. 
LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to 5. Friday morning in London town. It was a great uh, story in the paper today. There's, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people out there. And which paper did I find it in? Was it the mirror? Was it the mirror? I have to go through these things because I can't remember half the time. Uh, still reading stories of people who, uh, you know, cover themselves in blood in this shopping mall to survive, and it worked. I mean, that's a, I've never have thought of anything like that at all. Uh, Paul Routledge, the man who brought Peter Mandelson down. Nobody likes Peter Mandelson, do they? I've never been a man so universally hated. He calls him a snake who slithers up to the rich. He was called the Prince of Darkness, wasn't he, Peter Mandelson? But uh, they say he's, uh, he's betrayed Labour. Uh, reveal the energy fat cat clients, Mandy. They call him Mandy because he's, uh, he was sort of openly gay. But uh, people just didn't like him. But he, he does slither up to the rich. He likes that kind of thing, doesn't he? People were always trying to, trying to work out on his salary how he afforded this fantastic house. And it was, uh, it was sort of people helping him out. So, you know, lucky to have those sort of friends, I suppose. Um... Uh, another one here. Where's this one here? Oh, Stuart Hall's facing uh, a quiz over more allegations. He's in prison, as you know, but uh, but more more rape allegations. So we'll uh, find it. What's this one here? Who's this from? Is it? Oh, is it Steve Campen's Twitter? Oh, right. Good lord. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. I'm sort of yes. Sorry, I'll have to read it later. It's a bit distracting at the moment. Uh, so this story in the paper is to do with some people who were staging something that was fixed. Uh, they were they were fixed, and it, it what it what? Oh, here it is. It's a very interesting story. It's called Con the Buses, and this is a con man, Mohammed Gulzar. Uh, asked friends, twenty six of his friends, remember twenty six, to pile on board a bus fake injuries and make bogus claims. He got the driver, Adam Herbert, to hit a Vauxhall Zafira with the person behind the wheel of the car also in it. It's called Crash for Cash. Mohammed Gulzar is bent as the proverbial nine-bob note. Uh, one of the passengers was uh, some woman called Sarida Ali B, and she's another fraudster. She was one of these people. It was staged by him and Shoheb Nawaz, who owned the accident firm City Claims For You. A court heard they were becoming very confident and very, very greedy. But now they've been found guilty of this massive fraud worth about £500,000. And, in fact, other people on the bus, seven genuine passengers, were left baffled to the reaction to this minor bump. They couldn't believe it, because he's bent. Yes, greedy old Mohammed Gulzar is bent as a nine-bob note. And all his friends are as bent as he is as well. It was planned, highly organised. The idea, you get a lot of these people, they go out, it's called the crash for cash. Seven others, I also noted um, Saida, Sami Salam, uh, were also convicted alongside uh, Gulzar. Seven others, including Herbert and female passenger Saida Albai, had already admitted conspiracy to defraud before the trial. What is it with these bent people out there? They'll all be sentenced later while the other three were cleared. Dave Alexander of First said to have potentially put people's lives at risk was dangerous, callous and unbelievable. Perhaps they like prison food, I don't know. Perhaps they're looking forward to the company of other men. Who knows with Mohammed Gulzar? Perhaps he likes blokes. I have no idea. Either way, he's going to prison. And, uh, and then you look at this woman... 
all veiled up, and you think, what an embarrassment you are. What an embarrassment. You know, somebody says, would you like to do this, and then pretend you've been hurt, and other people on the bus are going, it's only a little shunt. How can you, are you writhing on the floor? Because they're bent. That's why. Another charity event. Another bunch of no-hopers, I'm afraid. Here they are. Four months after giving birth, poor old Colleen Rooney, given an opportunity to wear one of the many little frocks which she buys and unfortunately has nowhere to wear. And uh, she went to a, a, a charity bash with Brooke Vincent, again, and, uh, surprisingly, Chelsea Healy again, who go to the opening of a fridge door, by the sound of it. Every time you see another one of these naff bashes, here it is, it's Chelsea Healy again. They think, is that how low rent it becomes? Nobody major there at all. Nobody major. They've got Samia Garda, and that's it. You know, Samia Garda, Brooke Vincent, and Chelsea Healy and Colleen Rooney. God in heaven, that's what you call Z-list. I mean, try and find some better people. I mean, poor old Samia Garda. I mean, they, I think she went there because she's had her boobs done and she's with that bloke from, the, uh, from one of the dancing programmes. And that was about it, I'm afraid. Nothing else. I love uh, Sabrina... <laughs> Sabrina Rodriguez. She's a TV reporter in uh, California. And she went along to do a piece in a zoo. And uh, up behind her comes Mickey the Baboon. And Mickey the Baboon puts his arms around her and gives her breasts a little tweak. <laughs> On camera. Never get that round here, do you? Never get away with that round here at all. Nobody ever get their arms around me, for start with. But it's quite funny, actually, isn't it? I quite like that sort of... That's the sort of thing that amuses me, because she laughed. And somebody in the office, she'd have been straight down to HR. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. If everything tastes like chicken, Steve, what does chicken taste like? I don't know. Um, uh, To be honest with you, it's, it's either good chicken or bad chicken. I was talking to somebody the other day. Who was I talking to? John. And he was telling me that uh, he went to a fish and chip shop and discovered they were frying the chicken in the same thing as frying the chips. So all the chips tasted of chicken. And he said it tasted vile anyway. Well, I said it'd be cheap chicken. That's what it is. Bring it in from all, all sorts of places. Kevin the Milkman says, I've just heard the good news. No more parking tickets. Uh, from those so-called crime prevention cameras, the ones that cost me hundreds of pounds every year as I dare to stop for 30 seconds to deliver a pint of milk. Now let's keep our fingers crossed that the PCSOs on my round stop being traffic wardens all day and become policemen instead. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, PCSOs. What do they call them? They call them plastic policemen, the PCSOs. And they have a thing, it's it's only sort of temporary, but they they do have the... um, they do have the power, don't they? Round our way, 75 quid if you're cycling on the pavement. I just tend to find shouting obscenities. And then yesterday I get on the train, and it's annoyed me two days running now. Because getting on at Putney and uh, a couple of other places, some quite posh school children. They're all wearing their grey blazers. The girls sit there troweling on their makeup, but they're quite well heeled. They've all got terribly loud voices, and a lot of them are called Whoopert. There's a lot of Whoopert and, and Bins Major and stuff like that. And it's like, OK. And I was watching this television programme the other night. Do you know what they do that annoys me more than anything? One of them the other day, he's a rather... He's a bit of a precocious boy. He could be 17, 18. He sits there with his female friends, although I suspect he probably falls off the other side of the, uh, the fence. And, uh, and he puts his feet up on the seat in between these two girls. And I wanted to say, excuse me, I mean, are you, are you well brought up or are you just completely chav? Get your feet off the seats. There was another girl the other day sitting there with her cup of coffee and her troweled-on makeup, with her feet on the seat. So she walks through the dirty streets of London, gets on a train and puts her dirty shoes up on the... Get your feet off the seats. If I was the guard, I'd be going down and saying, excuse me, get your feet off the seat, in a very loud voice. Embarrassing them beyond belief. I was going to take a picture the other day of this woman and put it up on my, on my tweets, on my Twitter. 
to say, do you know this stupid woman, this ignoramus who puts her dirty feet up on the seats? Where do they come from? I mean, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable in the morning. Unbelievable. Uh, did you see EastEnders last night? No. I haven't seen EastEnders for, for ages and ages, I'm afraid. Um, it just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't interest me at the moment. I can't, I know that they, they've announced another two people that they're losing, haven't they? So there were four, so six, I think, will, will be going from EastEnders. But as I hadn't heard of any of them, well, one of them I'd heard of. It didn't. It didn't kind of make any difference to me. If if it's something you know really good, if it's a character I like, well, then I'd be worried about it. We were, we were saying the other day, and Paul in Manchesterford immediately leapt to their defence that there's a few people in Coronation Street that you could lose because they're they're sort of getting on a bit now, and you can see that they're getting on a bit, and they don't get you know Betty and her hot pot when she was sort of in her latter episodes. I mean, she wasn't doing very much at all. She'd just stand there, and they go, okay, just stand there, Betty. I remember Thora Heard in Last of the Summer Wine. All her scenes were done sitting down. So everywhere she was filmed, she was sitting down, either in a car or on a settee. But again, she's a, she's a, a trooper. Was a trooper. Lovely person. I'll give you the weather in a moment. I'm not really that bothered about it today. Although Duncan's ruined it for me, I'm afraid. Um, Rosalind says, Rihanna is allowed to turn up late if you are famous. It is fashionable and trendy to turn up late to keep the fans eager whilst waiting. Everybody does it. Justin Bieber, One Direction, Miley Cyrus. It's acceptable. Get with it, Steve. Rosalind's, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I'll tell you, what, I'd actually quite like it, Rosalind, if sort of your, your, your postman knocked at the door and went, I'll deliver your post next Thursday. Is that all right? Can't be bothered to do it today, love. It's fashionable to be late. You know, or your buses. I could just imagine, she'd be the old woman standing by the bus stop. The bus turns up. She goes, you're ten minutes late. And he goes, what? It's fashionable. Very fashionable to be late, darling. Stop moaning about it. It's not fashionable to be late. It's rude and chav and common. And that's why, of course, you probably adhere to it. Uh, 84850. Mary, still in Devon, goes to findagrave.com. I'm a member of findagrave.com. I've scoured to find the producer's grave. And, you know, surprisingly enough, I can't find it. <laughs> Next Thursday, I'm told. So, um, it'd be quite nice. I wonder if people hunt out my, my grave when I go. Do you think people will be hunting out? They'll be going, I wonder where Steve Allen's buried. Well, tough. I'm going to be scattered, I've decided. Scattered is, is, is better. I don't know where. I originally said I want one of my old producers, Giles, to scatter me on Richmond Bridge. And then somebody said, you can't do that. You can't be scattered on Richmond Bridge. Who's going to know? Who's going to know? I'll record him a little message on a, on a cassette recorder, just sort of going, hi, Giles, here we are. All those nights we spent there moaning about this and moaning about that. Somebody said to me the other day, how many producers have you had on, on, the, uh, on LBC? I said, well, over 34 years, quite a number, as you can imagine. Most of them split up relationships. I mean, I've been, I've been quite lucky in the fact that most of them start off in relationships and end up single. <laughs> Always reminds me with endless amusement, you know, as they come in one day, ooh, what's about a relationship split up? Ooh, it's terrible, isn't it? I always smile. I would say, well, don't get yourself into that pickle in the, in the beginning, and then you, won't be, then you won't be disappointed. But it's very difficult to keep a relationship going. I was only saying to Pink Bracelet Bloke the other day, I was only saying it's difficult. You know, try wearing a suit. And so he has, and to be honest, I don't think that's working either. There's no hard and fast rules, are there? But he, he, doesn't, live, he, he doesn't live in London. He's got a place out of town. And, uh, which quite, and he comes in London just to do a bit of cruising around, you know, see what's happening. Check out the scene, as it were. I haven't done the scene for such a long time. It's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, the scene exists outside the front door here. I, I arrived in Go- um, Square. I arrived in Leicester Square this morning to see some girl being violently ill into the flower bed, which I thought kind of summed it up, really. But at least the fountain's finished in the middle. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. Very, very grateful. 
Lance says, treat yourself to a bottle of Cloudy Bay in the polo bar at the Westbury Hotel Mayfair, right up your street. Better than Chardonnay. Well, I'm, I'm drinking a, a rather nice New Zealand Chardonnay at the moment. Uh, bin 51 or whatever, I don't know, it just says it on the box. But it's, it's, it's very pleasant, actually. Very, very pleasant. It's quite a, quite a nice, cheeky little vintage. Little cheeky bit, because I took my friend Mandy. She wanted to go to Costco the other day because they've got a... It's like a wedding that seems to be going on for years. And they wanted... She wanted lots of little sweets. So I went down there and she picked up lots of little sweets. They're going to put lots of little things in little bags. And, and so the loose sweets are in there. And she wanted little tiny marshmallows and little um, flying saucers. You know, those rice paper things with the sherbet inside. So she bought those. And then I saw... And the one thing I've always liked at Christmas time, chocolate mummy. Do you remember chocolate money? You always used to get that, didn't you? You know, you were a kid and your parents... You know, my mother used to make a stocking up for me. She always had ideas beyond beyond even my imagination. And so you'd, you'd wake up in the morning on Christmas morning and your stocking would be... Oh, I say my stocking. It was one of her stockings hanging at the end of the bed. Actually, it wasn't stockings at all. It was a tight because then you could get two out of it, me and my brother. And in it, I would always get the same thing. Nuts, satsumas a toothbrush, a flannel, a bar of soap, I don't know what she was telling me, and there might be a book or something like that in there. And what you'd have to do, you, so it gave you some presents to open while your parents were in bed, having been up late that uh, the night previously, putting the presents under the tree, taking them out for all the hidey places. And, um, and so you'd have something to open while you were sitting at the edge of the bed. Because once you'd done that, you'd done that in about five minutes. Then you wanted to go downstairs, and we always used to have the Christmas tree lights on. And I can see it to this day. I can see where the Christmas tree is. I can see what was on the branches. We used to put angel hair on. I think it was asbestos, to be honest with you. Whatever it was, I'm sure we came out with a rash afterwards. And you'd drape it over the branches, and when the Christmas tree lights were on, that was the only thing that was on in the room, and it looked beautiful. And it was really lovely. And you'd go down, and you'd look at some of the presents. You didn't want to open them because your parents were still in bed. So you'd be very, very careful. I don't know why I started this conversation about Christmas presents. Actually, I can't, I can't remember where I was going with it. I was so fascinated by it myself. Oh, that's right. You used to have to put the satsumas and the nuts back in the bowl. So it wasn't even a proper Christmas present. It was like, you know, a part-time Christmas present. It's like we're lending the nuts to you, but they're going back in the bowl afterwards. And so uh, the reason I mention it is because we used to get a little thing of chocolate money, a little tiny bag. It was like doubloons or something like that. And you'd, then you'd have to take off one half of the, the tin... It was round it, and then eat the chocolate money. Well, I found in Costco yesterday, they do a bag of chocolate money. It's that big. I've never seen a bag the size of it. It's about that big. What's that? 12 inches? What do you reckon, James? Is there hope there? And um, <laughs> and it's, it's the biggest bag I've ever seen of chocolate money. So I bought two. And Mandy said to me, she said, I think I'll buy one as well. So we walked out with three. It's like 10 quid a bag. For this, but there's loads of it in. I might bring it in next week or photograph it just to just show you how big this chocolate money is. Oh, no. I was testing the producer last night because he, he, was, he was being a bit, bit gossipy yesterday. And, of course, as you know, I don't like to indulge in gossip or anything like that. I try not to get myself involved in anything. Oh, what can I help you with? Um, nothing, I don't think. Oh, I don't know why it's doing this. It's always come to life. The last thing we need, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, all right. Phone start. I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, all right. I wasn't even talking to you. What's going on? Before that, it said, the wife, Dennis, come to life. Well, who said that? Do you think this phone's got a mind of it? Do you think it's... I'm living in a surreal world now. The phone's now having conversations with itself. It's doing all these... Oh, for goodness sake. It's doing all these things differently. That I'm not aware of. Yeah, all right. God, blimey. So, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, you've already said that once. Why are you selling it twice? 
Nothing worse is the John Briggs who doesn't understand anything. Because you know it's John Briggs who does the voice, who used to do the breakfast show on LBC at the weekend. And uh, he's the voice on The Weakest Link as well. He's lovely, actually. He's really lovely. But he's, he's recorded some new ones, I think, for Siri, unless they're old ones that they had in. Because you can ask him all sorts of questions. Are you John Briggs? I do not understand the question. So funny, actually. But anyway, so, so the phone's now freaking me out, coming to life by itself. So anyway, so the, so the producer sends me this thing with a bit of gossip, and I wrote back saying, little, do not tittle-tattle. It'll get you nowhere. I'm not interested in your silly little rumours. You know, just leave me alone. Stop stalking me. So then he writes something else about, well, by this time, I'm, I'm borderline phoning the police. I've decided I've had enough. It's the middle of the day. I'm kind of, I'm just about to open the Chardonnay and nothing interrupts my opening of the Chardonnay. It's a bit of a ceremony in the house. And so then I thought, I'll test him. I'll test him. So I said, I'm about to go to bed. Can you buy me a crunchy bar uh, for the morning? Well, <laughs> blow me down, honestly. <laughs> it's like having a slave. I arrived in and there in, on, on my paperwork on the desk is a crunchy bar, which has kind of phased me a little bit. Because, and, and, and then, but the, 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 the worst thing was, I thought I'd say how much, and he'd go, no, that's okay, and he went, 60 pence. Had the cheek, the cheek, ladies, to actually charge me, 60 pence. The amount of food and generosity and bonhomie I've given him over the, it seems like years, but it's only months, apparently, you know, and he charged me, and he, he stood up and he took the 60 pence off me. He took the 60 pence off me. I mean, how mean can you be? LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Well, again, everybody, like a jack-in-the-box this morning, say Angela and Bob in Pratt's bottom, up and down the computer, checking out these insignificant names. You mention these people, we both lay there shaking our heads, saying, who? Up I get in return saying, nobody we know. Anyway, good luck to our eldest daughter and everybody else who's holding a coffee morning in aid of Macmillan, which they'll be doing probably down in Twickenham. Won't they? I think Al and uh, Claire at the Twickenham Tavern are doing it. So uh, go in there, have a cup of coffee and and a piece of cake and give money. Because the more money they raise, the better. The better. Extra fruit, apparently, helps smokers and drinkers the most. But the story I was more interested in was the other day, where I think it was the front page of The Sun, and they had a picture of two pilots on a plane asleep. And a friend of mine said to me, he said, well, how did they get that picture? I said, well, obviously a passenger went into the uh, to the cockpit and took the picture. He said, well, they can't. The doors are locked. You cannot go into a cockpit and just take a picture. He said, it must have been one of the stewards or stewardesses who took the picture of the, of the captain of the co-pilot asleep. But I said, these planes fly themselves. These planes can land themselves as well. They're all... It's a giant computer. They just need to be there to sort of help it out a little bit. But if worse comes to the worst, you could land one of these things. You know, a three-year-old could land it because the uh, the plane helps you. The onboard computers do everything. It adjusts your speed. It does everything. It does everything. It's like the space rockets, isn't it? They can be controlled from Earth. They can do all sorts of things up there and they just need to help out and do little bits and pieces. So when we saw the picture of the, of the two pilots, the main pilot and the co-pilot, nodding off... Uh, I wasn't a bit surprised. I was surprised to see both of them nodded off. I thought maybe one of them, but apparently, in a recent survey, a lot of pilots, most captains say they've nodded off. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't make me feel any any worse about about flying by aeroplane. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I couldn't care less. Makes no difference at all whether they nod off or whether they uh, whether they don't nod off. I'm always interested in 
the the fact that they don't they have to have separate meals, don't they? They have two separate meals. in case one of them becomes ill, then the other one could become ill. So they both have different meals. But the stewardess has to knock on the door for the captain to open the door. So who opened the door and and saw them? You know, somebody would have to open that door from the inside. You can't open from the outside. Anyway. Uh, sorry to ruin your day, says Paul in Manchesterford. Here we go. There was one person who's going to ruin my happiness. He says, it's the last episodes of Housewives of Vancouver tonight. However, it's apparently been such a success in the ratings that the next series starts Monday. I'm assuming success in their books means about 50 are watching slightly less than Richard and Judy's last efforts on Watch. By the way, just to clear up a couple of bits in my Peter Andrex, my suff- sorry, my life, uh, email. You had problems with Bister. It's the family nickname for Loves His Kids. Princess and I were the victims of my iPhone predictive text. When I mentioned Claire and the crew waiting on the set when Awesome Mate, couldn't be, nearly said a bad word then, bothered to turn up, I meant to say she was fuming, as in showing annoyance and vexation. God only knows what that meant. I sent... Uh, no wonder you were confused. A show on Sunday, he says, I think we may both enjoy, is The Secret Voices of Hollywood. It tells the story of the singers who sang for the stars. Marnie Nixon, of course, is the great one. She sang for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. And, in fact, I've got, though, and I think many of you probably, you probably have it as well, it's on one of the DVDs, Audrey Hepburn singing in My Fair Lady, and that's when they decided that it was better to put Marnie Nixon. She wasn't bad, but Marnie Nixon was better. So Marnie Nixon... Uh, sang a lot. And so, among those that she also sang for, Deborah Kerr and Audrey Hepburn will be featured. A great talent, actually seen as one of the three nuns who sing How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. Her son, the late Andrew Gold, wrote Thank You for Being a Friend, the love theme from Golden Girls. Uh, Sorry, not the love theme, but the theme from Golden Girls. And chart hits with Never Let Her Slip Away and Oh, What a Lonely Boy. She's now 83 and still busy. Much like the oldest Corrie cast members you mentioned when taking my name in vain again. I'll swap you my chocolate umbrellas for your chocolate money. The chocolate money looks fantastic. I'm sorry, I might have to go back today and buy more, but I can't. I have lunch today with my friend Jonathan Levi. But it's, it's been a long time happening, this lunch. Because, first of all, I couldn't make it, and then and it came back on again, and then he couldn't make it because things got a bit hectic at work. So, all in all, we're, we, I mean, we'll be lucky to actually make it for lunch today, but that's, that's the theory... That's the three. There tend to be three flight staff in the cockpit. They might explain how they got the picture. No, they got the picture uh, from behind. So presumably it's been grabbed from either the uh, the CCTV. Uh, so, But also somebody would have had to have opened the door on it and then given the picture to the sun. That's, that's, what's, that's the interesting thing. Uh, 84850... Stevenlbc.co.uk. Simon in Hackney just asked Siri, are you John Briggs? And Siri answered, no comment. <laughs> Which I think is absolutely hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I do love things like that. I think it's... I think it's uh, <laughs> we've asked him other things before. Do you know Steve Allen? And it, it goes quiet for a bit, and I'm sure he's actually decided that <laughs> he's not going to answer any of these questions. Very good, though. Uh, 84850. If turning up late like Rihanna is trendy and fashionable, Steve, like one of your listeners suggested, I may try it with my fans, my boss at work, make it a pay rise. I know, can you imagine? I've, I've been told it's fashionable by some old biddy writing into Steve Allen. And it turns out my boss didn't think that at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, Dee says, I found, um, a graveyard in, um, 
in Boston with lots of people from the War of Independence. I think graveyards are great. You know, a lot of writers go around graveyards and they take the names off the gravestones to put in because you can't, you know, call everybody Sam or Richard or, you know, things like that. So they go around graveyards to find some some good things. Uh, Steve, a pet hate of mine is bad timekeeping. I'd rather be three hours early than one minute late. Yes. I mean, I agree. I absolutely agree. If I'm going somewhere... If I've got an appointment with somebody and they say it's 12 o'clock, like today I've got lunch at 12.15, I'll be there for 12 o'clock. You know, I can have a drink while I'm waiting. Perfectly acceptable. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Is it true you throw pennies in the river? Yes. Uh, And somebody else recommending uh, my podcasts. I have two podcasts. I have uh, one free and one paid-for podcast every day. And then at the weekend, we have the best of Steve Allen and we have the In Conversations. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you'll find everything, everything there. It's uh, as easy as that. Uh, Dean's having a fish finger sandwich. (sighs) You see, Liz Hurley would have that as a treat. That would be a treat for her. A fish finger sandwich is a treat. She wouldn't have that all the time. She sees that as uh, a sort of processed food and she doesn't eat processed food. Must be lovely to be able to do that all the time. Uh, if you don't like bad behaviour, do not watch bouncers on Channel 4. Northern barbarians getting plastered and being sick in the streets, urinating. It's so bad that the bouncers appear as though they went to the Lucy Clayton School of Etiquette. Yes, they, of course, have to be very careful, don't they, some of them? Although I did see one wrestling with somebody the other week on that programme, on the pavement, which is totally forbidden. Bouncers can sort out problems inside. Out on the street, they can't touch anybody. Otherwise, it's an assault. And this bloke, admittedly, was getting on the bouncer's nerve and he wrestled him to the ground, shouting, you're not so clever now, are you? And I thought, that's an assault. You need to be very, very careful. Very careful. Excuse me. Mm. Oh, the coldest cup of tea in the entire universe. Never mind. I never complain. Lots of people turned up yesterday for that little uh, little girl. That's April Jones. Ever so sad, because they, they, the man who murdered her... Uh, has never said where she is. They've only had a, a few, a few little bones, I think, which were found in the house. I mean, it's just, it's I think seventeen tiny bone fragments recovered from this Slaughterman Bridges cottage. I mean, it's so sad, isn't it, that that that's all they've got left. But that was enough for them to have a a lovely funeral. I mean, I, you know. Your heart goes out to these people. You can't imagine what it's like unless you've been through it yourself. They they actually say how Mark Bridger has wrecked their lives. I mean, he's been jailed for life. To be honest with you, I'd rather somebody did away with him in prison. I think it's just appalling that you can murder a little five-year-old and then not even have the decency, not even have the decency to uh, to tell them, you know, what happened. It's just so they find these little these little tiny bone fragments. They put them in a coffin and that's that's the best that they're going to get. It's awful, really, isn't it? Anyway, nice to have your company this morning. It's lbc.co.uk. Tell me, It could be as well. I see. I see no reason why it shouldn't be. It's Friday. It can be anything it wants to be. And uh, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast show on LBC ninety-seven point three. <laughs> I need a lie down. I'm sure I got paid the other day. It's far too exciting. Too much excitement in one month. News at five is next. LBC ninety-seven point three. Text eight four eight five zero. Tweet at LBC nine seven three. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. A bit more breeze today, Tim said. A bit more breeze. Let me just have a quick check, actually, and see exactly what a bit more breeze means. I'm not sure whether or not I should um, 
sort of start bringing me uh, my umbrella to work and leaving one here. Mostly dry day, increasing amounts of warm sunshine. Actually, funny thing is, well, yesterday, all of a sudden it went from being a bit overcast, all of a sudden it was quite hot. Quite hot out there. Some easterly winds, that's what Tim was talking about, will strengthen. Currently 12 degrees is going to reach 17 tonight. Clear spells, especially in the east, becoming cloudy over more western parts. And then tomorrow, largely dry, with uh, increasingly breezy with a strong easterly wind. And then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, increasingly breezy, risk of rain developing for a time on Saturday. And again, Sunday night into Monday. So there's not, I mean, I think I can afford to get the car washed today. Well, it's not afford to get it washed, but I think you know, the risk of sort of getting it washed and then it rains and ruins it, I think we will definitely risk it. I've not had it washed for ages. And then I've got to get it in for service and have my alloys done. Uh, all of that and um, Towie's James Arge Argent, the stupidest name in the world for a big fat bloke with boobs, claims he could still make it as a singer. No, I don't think so, I'm afraid. No, you have no talent whatsoever for doing anything at all. Uh, David Hasselhoff is back in Panto this year. Can't get arrested in America for love nor money. But then old man running up beach in red sort of shorts does look a bit sad. He says, I'm looking at some serious roles for next year. Really? Lord, does that mean he's an actor, I suppose, or something like that now? Uh, Barbara Windsor, according to one piece in one of the papers today, has made her EastEnders comeback, but if they want her full-time, they'll have to dig deep. I don't think she wants to do full-time. They've asked countless times, countless times for her to go back. And I think she's, she's quite enjoying, you know, having a little bit of a rest, putting her feet up and, uh, and enjoying herself a bit. That's what it's all about when you get to a certain age. You don't want to have to sort of get up at the, at the crack of dawn and sort of, you know, toddle off to, to work, do you? Not just what we do, but that's, that's different, isn't it, I'm afraid? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, one here that says, uh, well, they have, Brenda. You can pick it up on the LBC app. Pick it up on the LBC app. If you go to the LBC website, the LBC app will sort it all out for you. Uh, <laughs> very funny, Lee. Thank you. Uh, on the subject of Marnie Nixon, when is the Marnie Nixon tribute mentioned on? I think it's tonight. Is it tonight? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's find out. So it's uh, it's uh, show on Sunday. The Secret Voices of Hollywood. The Secret Voices of Hollywood. OK, so type that in and it will give you all the details of exactly when you can get to see it. So Sunday night. That'll be quite an interesting one, actually. I might, I might manage to get somebody to record that there. Um, uh, the Epping and Ongar Railway holding a... Uh, a Saturday night fish and chips special, says Sean. How lovely. How lovely. Fish and chips. Oh, dear. I could eat that now. But I, got, I, was, I just got out of the shower this morning and I was sort of towel drying myself off when, when Duncan said, oh, and I'm so hungry. If Steve Allen's listening, so I know he is at this time, he said, perhaps you could bring me in some. He went, I could eat some chicken. I kept thinking, where am I going to get chicken from? I went to the fridge and oh, I didn't have any chicken there. But I thought, I think perhaps he was expecting me to sort of call into Kentucky Fried Chicken and bring in a party barrel. Cheeky devil, honestly. So we ended up with two hot mince pies, which I put in the microwave and it was so hot they collapsed like a little pack of cards. Uh, apparently, uh, the picture of the pilots is a computer mock-up. It says so in the small print. Well, luckily, as I'm half blind, I can't read small print, so that's quite good. Um, another one here. And uh, my good friend went to Lucy Clayton's. Lovely. And then Sean says the cockpit photo is obviously a fake. The cockpit's far too small for three people. And most airlines dispense with the flight engineer or three man in the cockpit. Like you say, the onboard computer could fly, land and take off. Yes. So they don't have a third 
third person. Uh, Janet, currently in Hatch End, looking forward to Macmillan's Coffee Morning at Carol's house today, and to seeing Noreen there. As you say, a wonderful cause. I'm sorry, I cannot be at Jan's one as well in Croydon, but I will see her at the magic show on the 27th of December. There's not a magic show on the 27th of December. Not at the magic circle, really? With Steve Allen hosting it. Details on the Magic Circle website. <laughs> John the Cabby says the picture of the pilots was a mock-up. Um, one from Andrew says, Peter Andre is truly an embarrassment. He seems to be begging ITV, please put me on any show, I'm desperate to be famous. Um, but he is famous, isn't he? That's the trouble. But the show was so bad. It's, it's, it's a 40-year-old old man who thinks he's Michael Jackson does little concerts, has a little girlfriend, and she's pregnant, and and he lives his life with camera crews. I suppose they'll, they'll be grateful to get out of it. It's a, it's a bit needy, I'm afraid. There's nothing, there's no substance to it. There's no, you know, I'm really, really looking for substance. <laughs> Duncan said, no 24-7 KFC in Twickenham? No, we do have a KFC in Twickenham. We do have one, you'll be delighted to know. But we don't, it's, it, it's not 24-7, unfortunately. I think it closes about 11 o'clock. We like to keep people off the streets in Twickenham. Anybody after that gets arrested. So, uh, so there's no, there's no Kentucky Fried. Why is, is he not home yet? Do you think? How long does it take him to get home? He's done a detour via a chicken shop, hasn't he? That's what he's done. He's parked up in a lay-by somewhere, reading a copy of the Metro, gnawing his way through some poor chicken's legs. Poor little souls, honestly. <laughs> if you're having, incidentally, your coffee mornings today, uh, then. I, I wish you well. I hope you raise lots and lots of money, as I'm sure you will, as I'm sure you will. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, weave it all in. Um, Tim John reminds me of a cowboy I knew in America from the state of Wyoming called Cowboy Tim John. All right. Slightly perturbed, isn't it? There, somebody, what, somebody dressing up as a cowboy? I don't think Tim John's ever dressed up as a cowboy. As as, although I, su- I suspect secretly he might have done. I suspect secretly he, he, he might have done. <laughs> and, uh, yes. So, we, we have now... Oh, it's telling me that iOS 7 is now available for my phone. So, the KFC... And when, when I said he's sitting parked up, gnawing through a chicken leg, he says, you so know it. You see? I'm never wrong with these things at all. Never wrong with these things. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Nick Dubois up. At this time... How long does it take you to get ready, for goodness sake? He's up now because he's, uh, he's with Nick Ferrari this morning doing the papers. Wonder what gossip we'll have today. Wonder what gossip we'll have today. Uh, nice treat for me today, says Diana. A friend of mine is taking me to the Secret Garden in Sunbury. It's a lovely walled garden where I saw my first green woodpecker last year. I can't tell you where it is on air, but they have a very acceptable cafeteria there. We enjoy a cuppa and a bun on our outings. Oh, how lovely. Do you know, the funny thing is... I know it seems really daft, doesn't it? But as you get a bit older, the idea of having a, a bun and a cup of tea is actually quite nice. I, whenever I go into places, and I, I do the museums on a regular basis, as you know, and I love going to the V&A, the Imperial War Museum. They've both got excellent catering facilities. I mean, really, really good. Way above the standard that you used to get years ago. When you'd go to sort of brief encounter and you'd have sort of somebody on the train station, they'd lift up this little glass dome looking at some very sad ham sandwich. Oh, no, it's all posh hot food, cold food, salads. The V&A is fantastic. Get there early, though, because if you go lunchtime, you'll, you'll never get a table. You'll be buying your food. And my advice is eat your food, then go and get your cup of coffee. 
Because if you if you put your hot food on the tray and go and get your cup of coffee, it'll be stone cold by the time you found the table. So my advice is buy your food, sit down, eat it, then go and get a cup of coffee or a bottle of water or something like that. Much easier. Uh, 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. I like the idea of the secret garden. I'm fascinated by that. Absolutely fascinated. Other stories which are making the papers for today. Real ale is selling more than beer. Now, I'm one of those peculiar people who doesn't drink real ale or beer or lager. I'm either wine or spirits, I'm afraid. And a blind man who claims housing benefit has won an appeal against paying the so-called bedroom tax, the first of its kind in England. Shirinda Lal would have seen his benefits cut by £12 a week because his local council claimed he had a second bedroom. But the barrister who lives in London successfully argued the space was used to store medical equipment and not as a bedroom, meaning his case was outside the scope of the law. In his decision notice, the judge wrote, the term bedroom is nowhere defined. I apply the ordinary English meaning, the room in, the room in question cannot be so defined. It's like garages, isn't it? They say the house comes with a garage, and you look at it and think, well, what size car are you going to get in there? Never get my car into some of these uh, in some of these garages at all. It just wouldn't uh, wouldn't go in at all. Uh, another one here: Jehovah's Witnesses, Steve, don't celebrate Halloween. I guess they don't appreciate random people knocking on their doors. Yes, hello. Would like to be friends with Jesus? No, not today, thank you. <laughs> Washing the cat. Eight four eight five zero eight four eight five zero. There you go. There's the uh, the number for you. Uh, other stories in the papers. This is uh, Katie Perry, uh, One Direction. They're still over in Australia, and uh, animals in forest islands are facing an Armageddon. Oh, the, 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 the better news is uh, we found a good use for sharks this morning. An antibody found only in the blood of sharks may help tackle breast cancer. The protein could prevent cancer cells from growing and dividing in humans. A team from Aberdeen University has been given £200,000 to research the antibody called Ignar. We hope to develop new anti-cancer drugs based on these unique shark antibodies, says Dr Helen Dooley. Now, I can't help feeling at the, uh, at the Aberdeen University, £200,000. If we can halt cancer, should they not have shoved a million pounds into it? £200,000? What are they thinking about? There should really be, you know, a serious amount of money put into that because it, it, it could provide the answers. It could provide the answers to questions which we, which we have. 84850, Stephen LBC. .co.uk. Uh, unfortunately, Peter Andre is not like great musicians like Jimi Hendrix, The Who. They can play guitar. Peter can't. Um, d- does he play guitar? I thought I'm, I seem to remember somewhere in one of the shows. Did he not play guitar on stage? Did he not? Stand, perhaps he mimed it. Perhaps he's a bit Britney Spears. But they. But the, but the interesting thing is, I've said that ITV have never shown. I'll find out today, actually, because a friend of mine knows about these things. Find out why they've never been offered a Peter Andre show. Peter Andre in concert. And I wonder if we'd watch it and go, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. Because they're very careful not to show you it on the programme. They show you Peter trying on another leather jacket and doing some funny little moves and putting on his little boots. He's sort of like a cheap Michael Jackson, if, if such a thing can be, uh, can be termed for Peter Andre. And, but they never show you the concert. They show a few people standing there, but we've never actually seen anything from the concert. I want to see some. I want to see some footage of that. I'm not, I need to check. Actually, what we'll do, I'll, I'll check on Amazon in a second, see if there is a Peter Andre live in concert DVD. Take a short break, shall we? Quarter past five. Ferrari and the team at seven. Community Secretary Eric Pickles will be telling Nick 
why he thinks we should ease parking rules to encourage more motorists. Plus, as London's top cop says he wants people to love their police force, they could be asking, will that ever happen? Oh, I do hope so. I like our local police force. Absolutely. There's a couple of, uh, a couple of dirty ones. We've got a couple of old constables around our way who quite clearly didn't have the intelligence or the height to make it up the, uh, the ladder. But, and one of them we had the other day, I saw what, he looked about 12. Seriously, I mean, I, 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 seriously, I thought it was some joke. But apparently he is a police officer. Anyway, and, and why are London's A&Es facing a winter crisis? Nick Ferrari and the team this morning from Seven, looking at the papers, the Conservative MP for Enfield North. Haven't you just had a hospital be downgraded or something, or something about A&E, Nick? I'm sure that Nick Dubois will be talking to Nick about that later on this morning. He's just fallen out of the shower now. He's just given up completely. Actually, talking about uh, people falling out or falling into things, room for burials is now so scarce that some cemeteries have run out of it. You see, I think we should bury people standing up. And that way you get more in, don't you? Because you do look at cemeteries, although I, I said last week, and it, it always it pleases me every morning I drive, and I have to drive past Mortlake Cemetery, which is where they cremated Margaret Thatcher. And as you drive past it, it's, it's I mean, literally, almost on a weekly basis, it, there's more and more graves there, and, and more and more little lights that come on at night. On the graves. People obviously buy these gravestones with little built-in solar panels now. So a little light comes on. They seem to be fairly... It's, it's quite pretty to see. It really is. But they've now got no more space. A quarter of cemeteries, they say, will be full in ten years. This one's going to be full in about a year, I think, of the rate it's going at the moment. It's a serious situation that does need tackling. And the controversial method involves removing old remains from a grave and replacing them after the space has been dug deeper for allow for more burials. Because you can buy a family plot, can't you? You can all be buried in the same plot, but we don't have a family plot. I think my grandmother is buried in Ilford Cemetery, but I've never seen her grave. I've never been down there. I'd love to go down there one day, but Ilford, people keep telling me, has changed dramatically. So I'd have to find a different car to take down there. I didn't see Question Time last night. I normally enjoy Question Time, but I didn't see it at all. Uh, And they had a, a woman there who asked the panel not to say Islamic before every terror incident. And the UKIP MP said, can you name a terrorist incident that's not been Islamic in the past ten years? Shouldn't know what to say to that one. I don't know why, but it's a perfectly acceptable word, Islamic, isn't it? But it is it's true, though, isn't it? What we were saying years and years ago, and we were saying that the cause of so many wars, religion. Religion. Every time it's religion, they can't agree on anything. You know, it doesn't matter whether, you know, which religion you're from. I don't want to single out any religions. But some of them, they just, they can't even agree within themselves what the right way forward is. You know, you get some people who become Muslim fanatics and other Muslims say, who are these people? They don't represent anybody. You think, well, perhaps it's different interpretations. Perhaps people are reading a different interpretation. Very worrying, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, one here from, uh, from Cathy, who said, my husband and I were on the famous West Highland Steam Railway one of the most beautiful in the world, includes the viaduct featured in the Harry Potter films, travelling up the west coast of Scotland from Fort, Fort William to Malague. The train was full of people eagerly anticipating the journey, cameras at the ready, all was well until two late middle-aged men arrived to sit opposite us. Guess what? Mobile phones ringing, extra loud ringtones. Thereafter, the conversation, yes, we're at the station, blah, blah. See, that would drive me mad. That would drive me absolutely mad. I think that's just the height of rudeness. There was a bloke on the train yesterday, another one of these... Um, I don't know where he came from, but he was listening to his phone very late. He was watching a video on the phone, but the, the volume turned up till people got on. You feel like saying, are you particularly thick or something? Bad as this woman 
you know, with her feet up on the seat. If I'd been the guard, I mean, I would have said in a loud voice, excuse me, feet off the seat. And then said something like, are you stupid? And if I see school children, I'd have them thrown off the train. It's really bad. This, I'm going to find out which school it is. I'm going to find out which school it is, because they've got some of the rudest pupils. I mean, some of the language yesterday was appalling. I nearly had to bite my tongue, I'm afraid. But one of the, uh, one of the lads used the F word on the train in front of women. And this is, he's, a, he's the fat one out of the group. He's obviously the one who's particularly well-fed. He's, he's the Billy Bunter of the group. But they're quite well-heeled. You know, they're all sort of very well-spoken. Except he used the F word on the train in front of women. I, I, I felt like standing up saying, don't use that language on this train again. It's disgusting. I'm really embarrassing him. Perhaps he thought he was being clever. He's not at all, actually. He's just fat and foul-mouthed. Uh, Lynn says, as a disabled person, I use my box room to store medical equipment. When I tried to get the bedroom tax reduced, as the room can only just be- get a child's bed in, or my medical things, I was told that my tenancy listed it as a bedroom when I signed it, so it wouldn't help no matter how small it is. It's the use. Yes, in this particular case, it's not assigned as a bedroom. The, uh, they couldn't actually find out the definition of a bedroom. So that's why, and he's a lawyer, always works well. But I, I, listen, if it's been upheld once, it can probably be upheld twice. Use it as a box room. I've never, ever used it as a bedroom. 84850, uk. Uh, bless him. Paul, little Paul in Derbyshire. Bless them. Starved of anything decent up there, aren't they? It's all sheep, cattle and whippets and flat caps, I think. He says, I've never heard anybody moan so much in a short space of time. Really? Well, you must tune in more often. We do this every day. We've been doing it for years. He says, you are correct about the museums. Of course I am. I'm never wrong about anything. I'm never wrong about anything. It's almost embarrassing. I mean, I realise in, in Derbyshire, when you start with a handicap, but down here, absolutely perfect. You know what Londoners are like? Good grief. I mean, you know, we are perfect people, I think. Uh, Winnie, all the best for Sunday. She's running in the Ealing Half Marathon. How is that? What's that? So is that 13 miles? Yeah, that seems such, such a long way, doesn't it? Good luck, Winnie. I'm sure it'll be, uh, I'm sure it'll be absolutely lovely. And on the subject of, uh, of coffee mornings, we're having a coffee day at the horse's yard, says Jackie, with no daddy long legs sharing the bath this time. So after work, I shall go and look at the leftovers. We should raise a good amount today for the cancer fund. Yes, I mean, I, I hope that everybody who is having one of these uh, Macmillan coffee mornings does well. I hope that you make lots and lots of money. That's what Liz Hurley is, is going to be talking about on Sunday on In Conversation. We'll have some clips, actually, very shortly. In fact, I think we've got three clips this morning. We've never had three clips before. We've actually got three guests on In Conversation this week. We've got Bill Medley from the Righteous Brothers, who's touring later in the year, I think about November time, with Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, uh, one of the Drifters groups and the Foundations. What do you build me a, build me a birdica, baby, just to let me down? And uh, so he'll be on, together with Liz Hurley and uh, Ray Mears as well. Now, the reason you're getting Ray Mears is because we had a bit of a disaster. The computer decided to eat the first half of the interview. Not one of its best days, I have to tell you. So that's why we had a, a problem a couple of weeks ago with the wrong trails going out, because we hadn't managed to change them on the original thing because we'd already pre-recorded them. We were a bit stuck with those ones. But the generic trails on the programme went out. So you get Ray Mears, you get Liz Hurley, and you get Bill Medley this week. It's, it's a cornucopia, a veritable celebrity fest. Liz Hurley was gorgeous. Uh, don't, don't tune in if you think we're going to be talking about Shane Warne because we were under strict instructions, as I told you last week, that uh, we weren't allowed to mention it. I mean, I would, I would have been in quite... You know, just sort of say, how is everything? But I, I did get the feeling it's a, it's a little bit, 
little bit tense. I think she misses him. I think she'd like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 84850. Um, no, we've always said 84850. Don't be so stupid. Honestly, poor old Dan Ash in Collier's Wood is quite clearly on medication or something. No, we always say 84850. If you can't hear, it's not my problem. It's, it's your own problem, I'm afraid, on that one. Uh, quickly, let's uh, find some... Uh, oh, hang on, I've lost the... Uh, here we go, I've lost... Can you put the... Uh, I, I never... I, I lose the text all of a sudden. I go on to another thing here. Apparently, cowboy Tim John from Wyoming is, is a true and committed Democrat Party member. He voted for Obama. Wow. Peter Andre, says Stuart, in concert and playing the spoons on his abs whilst miming to Michael Jackson singing She's Out of My Life to a picture of Jordan. That'd be a good idea, actually. Uh, Glynis in Dartford says, I couldn't find a DVD for Peter Andre, Steve, but there is some nice personalised Christmas wrapping play- paper. Oh, dear. Chris- personalised Christmas wrapping paper. Uh, Kevin says, Garage for the Bentley, Steve. Don't you have the chauffeur sitting outside your flat on standby 24-7? I wish I did. Wish I did. Uh, Ian says, you're on form today with the moaning. Excellent, but why not stand up to these people on the train? Well, it's, the trouble is, it's, if I was a guard on the train, I would. But you never know nowadays, there's so many ill people and people with illnesses, and you see them, you know, talking into their phones. If I see people talking into their phones and we're on the quiet carriage, I'm generally the first one to go, shh, shh. You know, and they, and they generally get the message. The trouble is, if, if they're East European, they're not going to understand me at all. So I just generally point to the sign on the, on the window, which goes, no, no phones. But with the school children, I don't think you're allowed to say anything to school children, because they probably burst into tears. But the fat bloke on the train this morning, uh, yesterday morning, was, I mean, using foul language. But there was a woman sitting on the same... I'm surprised you didn't say to him, excuse me, can you moderate your language? I'd have taken a picture of him, sent it into the headmaster and said, can you make sure that the pupils on this train do not use foul language? It's not a good representation of your school at all. And as I say, I'm, I'll, I'll find out which one it is, because the, a load of these kids get on at Twickenham as well. Always very smart with, with grey blazers. They're obviously going on a bit further. Whether they're going on to Windsor, I don't know. I've got no idea. But whatever it is, it's foul language, and we don't want to hear it in front of women and children on the train. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Friday morning. We'll have some clips for you in a moment of some of the guests that we've got for you this weekend on In Conversation. We're just looking through uh, some of the people touring. Wet, wet, wet are off touring again. Uh, this one's coming up very shortly. Uh, also, Andrea Bocelli. He's only doing Leeds and the Hydro in Glasgow at the moment. No doubt there are other more. The interesting one for me is Barry Gibb. Now, he's the only surviving member, and now he's going out in celebration of the Bee Gees. He's doing Manchester, 29th of September. So that's uh, oh, blimey, a couple of days' time. And then Thursday, the 3rd of October, he's doing the O2. Uh, there's also a Bee Gees new album which is out now it's about 40 something pounds i got sent details of it the other day and uh, it's, it's gonna be very difficult for him not to be out there with because systematically they, he's lost all of his brothers one after the other it started with andy gibb who unfortunately was into drugs and died of a drugs overdose uh, then morris died the one who was married to lulu and that was a bit of a shock no one's expecting that and then who was the other one we lost i mean we lost Robin as well, which was which was a shock as well. And so Barry's going out there by himself. 
in celebration of the Bee Gees. And I'm sure that the Bee Gees fans, because they've had hits going back years. Cucumber Castle. I bought an album, actually, uh, off eBay for a friend of mine who's a big Bee Gees fan, but it wasn't a proper vinyl album, one of their early ones. Also, the Illusionists are going out. They're appearing all over the country, uh, including the Apollo. It's one, two, three, four, five... It's seven magicians. They've got an escapologist. They've got... Um, I can't... The writing is so small. A mentalist, a trickster, all sorts of people. It's a bit like... Uh, my show at the Magic Circle, and this one's on a big stage, and your mine is so intimate that you know if there's anything, if there's any any wickedness going on, you better see it straight away. But I promise you, you won't see anything at all except some very very good close up magic. Oh blimey, Depeche Mode are touring as well, and guess who else is touring? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson on the stage, directed by Spike Lee, called The Undisputed Truth. He's playing Hammersmith Apollo twice. Who's going to go and see it? Who would want to go and see that? The Clyde Auditorium and the Apollo OT Ma- O2 Manchester. Depeche Mode are touring again. Blimey, how old are they now? Plus Michael Bublé, sold out. Michael Bublé sells out. People love Michael Bublé, don't they? And the Boomtown Rats. Oh, God. Can't think why anybody would want to go and see them at all. I thought they were naff first time round, I'm afraid. Uh, who's that? Uh, this is uh, Blue. They're all capitalising on it, aren't they? Blue have sold out loads of their events, loads of them, uh, including, you know, Manchester, Norwich, all these sort of things. Perhaps that'll be the end of it. Uh, Union J are touring. Are they? They can't be. They haven't had a hit. They've only had one hit, haven't they, Union J? Scouting for Girls. Always like that sound, Scouting for Girls. And um, Nickelback. I don't think about Nickelback. Are they a popular beat combo? They sort of, you know, will will the youngsters be going out there? They keep rocking, do they? Oh, right, a bit rocky. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just... <sighs> I can't open pages of papers anymore. And the uh, and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is doing a stage tour. Amazing. Special guest voices. Clive Anderson, Barry Cryer, Colin Baker, John Culshaw, Anita Dobson, Paul Gambaccini, uh, Rula Lenska, John Lloyd, Miriam Margulies, Phil Jupitus, Anthony Daniels, Hugh Dennis. Interesting. So it stars Simon Jones and members of the original radio cast featuring Mitch Benn. I never got into the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Never quite understood what they were talking about. I just knew there was a restaurant at the end of the universe and that was as far as it went. Anyway, I'm really sorry. I have to apologise. I don't have two guests for you this week for In Conversation. I have three. Yes, three fantastic, brand new, shiny conversations for your listening pleasure. We're spoiling you at LBC Towers. And just wait till you hear who they are. The first is none other than Liz Hurley, who joined me to talk about a new campaign for breast cancer awareness. We know for a fact that there's only one thing standing between today and a day when women no longer die of breast cancer, and that's money. It's funding. It's purely financial. It's more and more funding. Amazing strides have been made in research. It's very interesting because I was with two research doctors this morning from the Royal Marsden Hospital, both of whom have grants from the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, also started by Mrs Lauder. And um, they were telling us about the strides they've made. That's just part of the conversation with Liz Hurley, talking about breast cancer awareness this Sunday. Very worthy cause, well worth a listen. As is my next guest, a legendary musician, and singer and songwriter. And I, I keep saying to people, if you want to put it into context, go onto YouTube, type in Little Latin Lupe Lou, 
And it's something that the Righteous Brothers did a few years, well, quite a few years ago. This will be back in, I think, the 40s or 50s. And he's singing the song that Bill wrote, because Bill wrote about little Latin Lupe Lou, who was a girl that he went out with. And, um, and it's really good because they're singing live on the show. And you really get the, the energy of a music show on the television. So go and check that out. But uh, he, he's telling me in this uh, super interview what it was like to work with the Beatles. Yeah, it was, it was great. We did the first American Beatle tour, first Rolling Stone tour, American Rolling Stone tour. And did, did you think the Beatles were much cop in those days? They were what? M- much good. <laughs> oh, much oh, cop, good. sorry. I, I have to think. Come on now. <laughs> It's hopeless, isn't it? I don't, I don't speak American. He, he, he quite clearly didn't understand me either, which is, which is very funny. Anyway, so I shall, I shall brush up on my American for Sunday. If you tune in this weekend, you also have the added bonus of Ray Mears talking about when the police asked him for his help in tracking Raoul Moat. I didn't talk about it at the time because I didn't want anyone to think that in a way hmm. I was trying to profiteer from it. It's just one of those... It's a go- difficult thing, isn't it? You're, you're caught between the devil and the deep blue well, sea on that. you've got the television... If you're a television pre- presenter, the people, there are some people who think you're just an actor. Yes, but, yes. You know, but I do this for real. And, you know, I taught, I've been, I taught the army for survival for 10 years. I've been working with the police to help them with tracking for a long while. So, yeah. you know, it was on the cards at some point that something like this would come along and... You know, I was just the right person there at the right time. Yes. 40 years' experience of training. And then along comes Gaza with a fishing rod. More on that conversation with Ray Mears. He's got a new book out. Fascinating man. In fact, all three guests this week are fascinating conversations. I mean, Bill Medley, who I just bonded with very, very well. Ray Mears, who is just, just a very interesting person. And Liz Hurley, because I just found her fascinating. And I was closer to her than I am to the producer. He's very jealous. Very jealous about the whole thing. I don't want to make a big deal about it. So, Sunday morning from 6am, in conversation with three guests, and you, ladies and gentlemen, all have front row seats. So we'll see you Sunday morning. Just before that, of course, you get the best of Steve Allen. The best of Steve Allen. Apparently, um, Depeche Mode, over 50. Jason says, I went to see them in Paris in June, still rocking. Good grief. Are they over 50? It seems so funny, doesn't it? You just imagine that these groups haven't changed. Is it Dave... Somebody, Dave, who was the lead singer of Depeche Mode? Dave somebody, I now can't remember. I can picture him in my mind, but I can't, it's not Dave Gorman, is it? Is it Dave Gorman? It'd be fascinating if I'm absolutely right on that one. I'm very rarely right on these sort of things. And uh, I, I think, I'm sure it is, it's Dave, I'm pretty certain it's Dave somebody. But we can't, can't remember who it is. Formed around Basil, oh, they're from ba- Dave Gahan. I was wrong, actually. I've ruined my day now. So they're from Basildon. So there you go. But they've had uh, 49 songs in the UK singles chart. Oh, well, that, that means that they can go there. Whereas the Boomtown Rats, I didn't think, had very many songs at all. There was Rat Trap. I don't like Mondays. Like Clockwork. That was it. Three. Because they brought out, some years ago, the Boomtown Rats, a Greatest Hits album. I've never heard of any of the songs. They were obviously putting B-sides on there in a lot of old rubbish. I always thought it was the most peculiar group. One of them used to live up at Osterley. The one who used to wear pyjamas all the time. Who was in the group. I can't remember what his name was. Fingers or something stupid. Uh, 84850, uh, Sucky Lay says, On my way to work, lots of cakes and cupcakes in the boot. Thanks to the efforts from my professional baker friend. And that's uh, Drew's Cakes. Hoping to raise lots of money for Macmillan Cancer. I hope you do today. I hope you do. Jackie says, I had an altercation with school kids swearing and sitting on my front garden wall and throwing all their rubbish in the front garden. When I phoned the school, I was told that out of school premises, they take zero responsibility and I should call the police. Can you believe it? I can. I can. 
Julie says, would you announce as a tabletop sale for Macmillan nurses at the Watchman's Weatherspoon? Ten till two today in New Malden. So good luck to everybody. There's going to be lots of people raising raising money. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Danny says, I looked and couldn't find any live concert of Peter Andre. Maybe you should get him and Tostos on In Conversation. I don't think she can, uh, she can spin two words together, can she? I'd be very surprised. Very, very surprised. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. It's amazing, actually, but the moment we, we sit in the building, we're going off to do Liz Hurley. Oh, the interest. The intro, the producer is like salivating and it's really embarrassing. Can I come? Because originally he was going to come with me and do the interview. But then Liz Hurley heard about it and decided that it would perhaps be safer if we didn't let him anywhere nearer. There's an injunction taken out. I mean, I don't want to go into it. It could be a court case pending or something like that. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Forget five a day. Apparently you need seven a day now. So that's ruined it, hasn't it? Just when you thought it was going to be easy and you can get away with five a day, you can't. They want seven a day. Half of pilots are asleep on the job. And who's this? This is, oh, Lucy Mecklenburg. God, it's amazing what a plain face she's got and how flat-chested she is. And um, apparently I'm a celebrity bosses want to lure her into the Australian jungle. Can't imagine why. Perhaps she's got a new agent who's trying to drum up some interest in this boring girl. I mean, they say here she's a beauty. They must be setting their sights particularly low in Essex recently. She's 22 and she's been offered a five-figure deal... And looks tailor-made to fill Mylene Class's bikini babe role. What, Lucy Mecklenburg? I'm looking at the wrong person. She's nothing. Absolutely nothing. William and Kate's beloved dog, Lupo, has sparked a spate of thefts as crooks cash in on the Royal Pooch's popularity. I'm always amazed at how many people thieve dogs. What sort of people would go around thieving dogs? You'd find them, wouldn't you? You'd find them. It's, uh... You know, if if it was people who lived locally, are they people who sort of travel around? You know, do they go around deliberately nicking dogs? Because apparently there's uh, there's lots of these dogs. Black Cocker Spaniels are being stolen to order by gangs. These are people who organise gangs, who steal dogs. Watch your dogs. I was trying to warn people the other day. I said, be very careful. There's lots of fake £10 notes. Lots of fake £10 notes all over the place. Be very careful. Very careful. Uh, Peter Butterworth was a cheeky monkey. There you go. Lovely. An extremely affable man. Wonder what happened to his delightful son, Tyler. I don't know. I worked for the agent, Marina. And some of the greats come through the portals. Trevor Howard, Elspeth Gray. Happy days. Says, uh, Adriana. Thank you. Uh, 84850, uk. Um... Somebody's asked me the other day if I'd seen Katie Price's ghost-written column. Of course, I read it avidly. It doesn't mean anything because she doesn't write it. She just puts her name to it. And she is in one of the papers today, apparently. And I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember why Katie Price was in there. She certainly hasn't done anything of any note at all. Good Lord. Who's the page three girl for today? It's uh, Lacey from Bedford. So if anybody listening in Bedford, it's one of your own. So you must be, uh, must be really, really pleased that uh, she's finally made it as a topless model. It's what? She's the one on Big Brother. Is it? Is this, wait a minute. Lacey from Bedford. Is it Lacey? Is it Lacey Banghar, then? Oh, right. Is that the one on Big Brother? Oh, right. It doesn't say Lacey Banghard here. It just says she's a page three girl. She's a bit old, actually, for it. See our girls on page 360. Go online. Lacey from Bedford. Isn't, oh, that's right. It's Lacey Banghard. Oh, is that her there? Oh, dear. Poor old soul, honestly. What is she? Is she just a... 
A sort of a topless model. Oh, that's right, she entered Celebrity Big Brother. Third contestant to be... Oh, that, that, everybody thought she was vile. That's why they kicked her out. Oh, dear, poor soul. That's the best she can get, isn't it? Best she can get. Oh, well, I mean, it's this wish of the best. I mean, if you're not intelligent enough, you have to do topless modelling. Well, failing that, I'm waiting for Lucy Meckler, but to try and sort of get a bit up top. It's a bit too flat-chested to start modelling bikinis. Look at Mylene Class, for goodness sake. Uh, Boris Johnson was so tipsy as he staggered down a boozy bash, he couldn't cycle home. Bless him. Bleary-eyed Bojo tumbled into a taxi and dumped his bike in the boots. Well, there you go. Well, at least he's, at least he's being sensible. And then um, Boris Johnson's former deputy mayor faces being sacked as a Tory councillor after naked pictures said to be of his manhood appeared online. This is Richard Barnes, who denied exposing himself in the snap shortly after the pics emerged on Wednesday. He says, I've been hacked into. I'm shaking with anger. I'm a 65-year-old gay man on his own. Do you think I'd be stupid enough after 30 years in politics? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Katie Price, in her dreary ghost-written column, talks about, like most people, I like a drink. I'm just not very good at it. Oh, she's a vile drunk. But she talks about Paul Gascoigne. I hated the TV docu- documentary. It was car crash television. He needs our love. No, it's our money he wants. So he can go and spend it on more booze, I'm afraid. And uh, then she says, why do... Some women never learn from the experiences of others. I've had to be taught a few tough lessons in my time, but I'm amazed, she says, to see Trini Woodall um, dating Charles Saatchi. I don't know where she gets that from. It's two people who went out for something to eat at Scott's. Why is that called dating? Perhaps she's just being naive. Perhaps Katie Price is even more ignorant about uh, the newspapers than I ever imagined. 14 to 6. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 10 to 6 is the time. Interesting to hear your commentary of obscene school pupil behaviour, says Ed. A little-known fact is the schools must deal with any complaints regarding poor pupil behaviour, whether they're in uniform or not, and if it occurs off the school premises. A conversation with Michael Gove would confirm that. He says, thank you for another wonderful week's series of broadcasts. All the best. A teacher. A teacher. It is bad, though, isn't it? I'm, I mean, I don't mind kids being loud on the train. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. Uh, what I don't want to hear is foul language. I don't want to hear anybody, any pupil, who's wearing a school uniform using the F word. Especially not from a well-heeled school. I'm going to find out what it is. I'll find out, I promise you, by the time I get to Monday morning. And I will, if necessary, write to the headmaster and pillory him over the action. I know, he ca- I know you can't hold people responsible for it, but they have to explain to him. Listen, there are people on the train, they don't want to hear this kind of language. I really don't want to hear it. I don't care who it comes from, actually. Uh, Brenda, you can uh, go to the LBC website. The LBC app will sort you out quite nicely. Um, apparently, Blue and uh, Blue have done very well with their selling out of the concerts. I know people aren't uh, huge fans of them, but, uh, you know, wonderful. Uh, 84850, Paul says Derbyshire is a lovely area. Oh, pfft. yeah, right. Ah! Do us a favour. We're in the capital, matey. This is the capital, OK? That's why. I don't remember them going, oh, Derbyshire, let's make that the capital of the country. No, no, no. It's London. It's London. It's far more popular than Derbyshire. I mean, you, you know, you, Derbyshire, you go to either visit your hubcaps or your dead relatives, I should imagine. Uh, the show about Marnie is Sunday at 9 on 4 and repeated again Tuesday, 10.30, says Paul in Manchesterford. Very remiss of me, though, not to mention a show featuring a true UK film legend. Hello? A portrait of Leslie Phillips talking about his life and career, especially the carry-ons and the Doctor films. That's Saturday, 9pm. Oh, I'm barely going out. I mean, I've got flu, flu jab Saturday. 
He says, of course, I shall be uh, podcasting. Uh, uh, Ian and Nick on LBC as well, because I hate missing out. Only a couple of quid a month, don't you know? By the way, on Awesome Mate's show... That's uh, Peter. Everything is awesome to Peter. He's 40. He can't string two words together. Everything. Oh, that's really awesome, man. Man. He's 40. He's like, you know, old enough to be your grandfather. Apparently, people have uh, have picked up on the fact that as he's being filmed, leaving the first day shoot of 60-minute makeover in the car, the camera appears to show the crowd of fans as soon as they've waved at him, running around the side to reappear further down the line. Very odd. Well, hardly anybody there. We only ever found one person. I think we, 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 we found Dawn, who I think had been, I'm pretty certain Dawn had been to, because I got a, an email from her the other day, and I'm pretty certain she said that she'd been to one of his concerts. <laughs> Noreen says, my goodness, I've just read Susan Boyle is doing a duet of O Come All Ye Faithful with Elvis. She has the authority of Elvis's estate, which Cliff couldn't get. Oh... Elvis Presley and Susan Boyle sing O Come All Ye Faithful. I didn't even know Elvis recorded O Come All Ye Faithful. But he had had to have recorded it for her to be able to duet with him as well. She says, uh, glad the In Conversation interviews went well. Please wish Jamie and uh, Char. Jamie is uh, Michelle's son, a wonderful wedding day. And hope the families have a fantastic time. And love to Louisa, the bridesmaid, very lovely little girl. And uh, she said, I hope anybody living in Thurrock is OK, not affected by the incident yesterday. And to everybody hosting or attending a Macmillan coffee morning, hope it is a successful event. I'm off to one at Harrow at Carroll's, meet up with Janet, both regulars at the Magic Circle. Uh, Jan, another show, and Magic Circle veteran, is arranging one too. I'm having my flu jab in the week. Yes, I've got mine uh, tomorrow. Which I'm really thrilled about. But then it only takes a minute. It, it doesn't take uh, too long at all. You know, they get, I think I'm in at 11, 11 something. Uh, now, what do we have that one? There was one that came in from, uh, from John Napper. He says, when you mentioned Terence Longdon, I made it, he thought, Gary Halliday. Because I didn't, I didn't know what this was. He says, you're too young to remember this series. It went out on a Saturday afternoon for several years, over half a century ago, before being replaced by something called Doctor Who. I can't remember about the stories, but Gary Halliday was an airline pilot, and his co-pilot, played by Terence Alexander, the steward was played by George Moon, well-known actor at the time, the father of the actress Georgina Moon. He was also a stewardess and a regular villain, but I can't re- recall who they were played by. Very popular with children, but probably wouldn't stand up today. It's funny, isn't it, that the, these names pop up. Gary Halliday. We didn't know who on earth it was at all, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Are you following the story, says Gordon, of the small Welsh village of Varteg. They're fighting the proposal based on the fact there was no letter V in ancient Welsh to rename the village Varteg. Said so he couldn't make it up. Yes, we, we, did, we did follow that one. And then we came up with all these other rude places, I'm afraid. There's lots of rude place names which were far too rude to be mentioned. Now, are there any DVDs available for Peter Andre? And you thought that I might know, says Dawn. As far as I'm aware, there aren't any. But I get the impression his fans would love a DVD from the tour. I haven't been to any of the gigs myself, but they all seem to really enjoy them. I had a quick look at YouTube and found uh, a recording from his Birmingham concert tour in December last year. Uh, I've only had a chance to watch the first few minutes. It's 45 minutes long, because I'm a bit of a busy bee. So she sent me the uh, the link. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, another one here. Yes, the the Fern Britain being snubbed for this morning. Have you noticed that ITV, all of a sudden, in all the clips for this morning, lots of Fern Britain in there, which I'm very pleased about, because we love Fern, and that's very good. Because I think somebody was was causing a bit of mischief. And they were trying to make out that there was some rift. It came from an old newspaper article a while ago, Dawn, about uh, money, when she discovered how much he was earning. 
And so then, you know, I think she's I think she's going to be there. I think she's going to be there. I mean, she's unable to go to Albert Docks for the October the 3rd special, uh, so she might be filmed for something, because obviously there's something else going on. But uh, she'll, they'll definitely have to include her. She was a, a vital part of it. And um, the tattoos do not bother me about James Arthur. I just don't think he's going to do very well. I've, I've asked around this building, and it seems to be fairly unanimous. You know, whether the music is good, it is based on looks, this business. And, you know, it it is... It is, you know, it's the way people look because you're selling an image. And it isn't a Dean Martin cover that you're nobody till somebody loves you. It's a brand new song, quite rocky and catchy. Um, I've listened to it and I've watched the DVD. I've watched the DVD three times now of the of the song and it doesn't do anything for me at all. But it is based on looks. It's, it's, it's a look business. It's a look business. But anyway, uh, this email she sent to me on... Thursday, yesterday, because I'm a bit of a busy bee, went to see Alistair Griffin on his food bank tour in Nottingham, seeing him on tour in London tonight, and then Friday, I'm going with Mum to see a celebrity special of The Chase being recorded at the London studios. I think when you interviewed Bradley Walsh, you said they only have a live audience for the celeb specials, yes, of the show. That should be a good one, actually. There's lots of celebrity special things coming up. There's a celebrity Pointless and a celebrity, is it Millionaire? They always do a celebrity millionaire as well, don't they? Which is uh, quite good. Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan hopes to win a World Snooker Championship in his 80s because he claims his anti-depression pills are making him work better than ever. The world champ who's quit before due to stress says he has hit nine one four seven breaks on the bounce in practice. So? I don't think he's going to be alive at 80. Do you think so? I'd be very, very surprised, not judging by his lifestyle. Tesco have said sorry which we mentioned at the beginning of the programme, for selling a psycho killer fancy dress outfit that sparked outrage. £20, is it? It had the word committed on the back. A spokesman said, we're really sorry for any offence it's caused. We're removing the product from sale. Because nowadays people are like, mm, what are you doing? You can't do that. And I think one of them has decided to make um, um, a substantial donation to Mind, the mental health charity. So that's good, isn't it? But, it was, but somebody somewhere in Tesco, and the other one was Asda or something like that, must have approved this thing to start with, and they must have thought about it. Did they not thought about it? I mean, I would have thought somebody somewhere would have been thinking about it. I love the, uh, the duck here drifting down uh, Beijing's Summer Palace Lake. It's huge. It's absolutely enormous. This uh, duck has appeared in 13 cities. This chap will remain in Beijing until October the 26th, designed by a Dutch artist. It's 60 foot high. It's lovely. It's like the big balloons that they bring in for the New Year's Day parade in London. That's always that's always very good. And incidentally, the price of petrol is going down. About blooming time. It's, it must be at its all-time highest at the moment. Uh, at the moment, Sainsbury's are selling unleaded for 129.9. I'd be better if it was a pound, thank you. And Asda, unleaded, 128.7. What is this, 0.7? You imagine going in there and going, I've just put a litre in. I'm going to pay you 128.7 pence. And they're going to go, no, 129. And you're going to go, well, what are you putting 127.7 for? It's ripping you off. That's what it is. Because you can't pay 0.9, can you? Or 0.7. So whatever it is, you just go and say, I just want one litre. Are they going to round up or round down? You bet your bottom dollar they're going to round up, aren't they? 
because it's over the over the halfway mark. But anyway, there's now going to be apparently a bit of a coup, and you're going to get cheaper petrol. But it's the pe- it's the filling stations for the supermarkets. It's not the same grade of petrol as you get elsewhere. It's a slightly cheaper grade. That's how they can afford to discount it. News at six is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, five past six, Friday morning in London town. It's LBC 97.3. I'm Steve Allen and it's... Early breakfast. You're very welcome. Start of the weekend for many people. If you work over the weekend, this is the start of your working day, which is quite nice. Lots of people holding Macmillan coffee mornings. There's one at Whiteley School in Surrey. Alison is doing that one. And um, uh, one here that says, please wish her all the very best. Hope she raises lots of money. And that's from husband... uh, I'll pronounce all this incorrectly. You can just tell this is going to be the worst pronunciation you've ever heard. I can tell you it's Alicia, Amir and Amber. And it's husband, uh, Alison's husband is, is it Manoj? Producer says that's as good as, good as. Irene in Glasgow is having a Macmillan coffee morning today. Did well last year, but hope to do even better this time round. My years in catering have come in useful. Good. Listen, I, I hope everybody raises lots and lots of money. Uh, John says, I can't work out how. Whenever I put fuel in the car, it's almost impossible not to go 1p over. Have you ever tried to put just 1p of fuel into the car? Impossible. Yes, it doesn't happen, does it? I'm complaining bitterly about this uh, petrol station where you, 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 you cease doing the petrol, you take your hand off it, and immediately it jumps up one number. You work that out thousands of times. That's a nice little profit, isn't it? Um, just to let you... Can't find the new Bee Gees album. However, Mythology is the latest album. Got mine for £10. It's £40. It's £40. That was on, uh, that was on Amazon, I think, the Bee Gees. Don't know where you find it for 10 40 is recommended retail price. And I think that was, even, that was even cheaper, I think. Uh, Kevin sells Elvis Presley and Susan Boyle duetting on O Come All Ye Faithful, Steve. I bet even you want to cancel Christmas now. I can't think of anything worse. I'm not a Susan Boyle fan. I'm not a Susan Boyle fan. I've heard her singing live or attempting to sing live, and she wasn't... I didn't think she was much cop. In a studio, that's why you don't see her doing the rounds and and doing everything else. Uh, Helga says, It seems to me that private school children have the worst manners than their state school counterparts. Um, Well, certainly bad language, I'm afraid. Uh, Maureen says, Peter Andre's girlfriend is a medical student. Uh, Her parents must be so proud. Well, I think... You know, she was a medical student. Now she's pregnant. It's not much point, is it, really? So perhaps... Of course, he has, he's, no, he's not mentioned marrying her. So what's she supposed to be? Is she a single mother at 23? How to completely ruin your life? You know, you thought she'd have had a bit more intelligence. But uh, pff, what can you do about these things? It's nothing to do with us, but if they put themselves on the television, they're fair game, as far as I'm concerned. Fair game. Uh, Richard says, I left school in 1963, and for the life of me, I don't remember any boy using bad language. In fact, I really only encountered swearing when I started playing golf. <laughs> really? I don't want to hear it on a train, though. It's, it's not a case where I don't want to hear it. There, you know, there, were, there are mothers on those trains with children, and you get some oik of a schoolboy who comes from a well-heeled school, the fat one, of course, using the F-word. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. That's why I'm determined to find out which school it is. Oh, you wait. I should be having a field day. Just a minute, I heard you mention Tyler, Peter Butterworth, and Janet Brown's son. The last thing I saw him on, says Paul, was an episode of Summer Wine. But I can't find anything since. I know he did The Bill and Hetty Wainthrop, but he's, as he's only two years older than me, I can't see he's retired. Nice man, great actor. So, Tyler Butterworth, I'm sure we wish somebody will say, 
Steve Allen was talking about you, Tyler, on the programme the other day. Do you know, the funny thing is, you mentioned Hetty Wainthrop Investigates, and I was talking about that to somebody the other day. I loved it. I absolutely loved Hetty Wainthrop Investigates. There weren't enough of them as far as I was. Was it Dominic, Dominic Mohan who was on it as well? Front pages of the papers. The stories you're waking up to this morning. Showbiz and otherwise. The, uh, the Sun gives you the British girl who last night became the world's most wanted. She will be tracked down, undoubtedly. This is 29-year-old Samantha, I think it's pronounced uh, Luthwaite. I think that's how you pronounce it. And uh, she's been wanted by Liverpool in the wake of the Kenya male atrocity. She attended school in Aylesbury, and then she married one of the 7-7 bombers, so they've done pieces about her in all the papers today. Uh, she's wanted worldwide. They want to quiz the jihadist mum of three, dubbed the White Widow, after the Kenyan mall massacre. Uh, the alert follows claims that a light-skinned woman fired at victims during the, during the Nairobi attack. I mean, she's incredibly stupid. Incredibly stupid. Uh, but uh, she quite looked quite normal. And uh, then she converted. And uh, now she's, uh, she's being sought. They will find her, believe you me. Uh, the Daily Express, they've got why Sir Ben Ainsley rules the waves. The America's Cup has shot him to sailing superstardom. I don't know anything about the America's Cup. I watched it on the television the other day, and I'm none the wiser. It's just a boat going very fast. It looks a little bit dangerous, as far as I can see. Uh, the council parking spies to be axed, which comes as good news for Kevin the milkman, because he's sick to death of getting these tickets for just delivering a pint of milk. And apparently, we have been told for years, to stay healthy, it's... Five a day, portions of fruit and vegetables. Doesn't work for everybody. Now scientists have discovered that if we take seven servings a day, we could slash our risk of dying early, which is lovely. Amanda Holden says women don't have affairs for sex. We seek love. That's interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was SEX, but apparently it's not. It's for sort of love. So in other words, she says, my affair was an escape from a, a loveless marriage. Gloria Honeyford who I mentioned earlier on, is talking to Piers Morgan, is uh, the fact she was put on a death list by terrorists after making programmes about the army. Uh, she broke down and she spoke about the death of her daughter, Karen Keating. I don't think you actually, as I said earlier, ever get uh, over things like that. She said, we used to do a programme for BFBS in Germany, a guy called Sean Rafferty and myself. We were called to the brigadier's home and then he says, by the way, I have to tell you that both of you have been placed on a death list. It's the kind of thing, if you're working for sort of BFBS, I suppose that was an occupational hazard. But uh, anyway, things uh, things all good now. But still, obviously, the Karen is, uh, is a very sore subject, as indeed it would be. Times this morning, pilots say we're falling asleep on the job. It's obviously quite normal. I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be like me sort of getting halfway through this programme and going... Just have a little sleep. Just have a five, give me five minutes. Come back to you in five minutes. It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And yet they're, they're on the job. They're being paid very well. Probably more than me, I should imagine. Uh, the hero of the Mal massacre and the girl he saved. The remarkable story of a Somalian who dashed into the scene of terror. And this little girl as well. The children who followed him after this four-hour ordeal. Absolutely terrible. The world's most wanted woman is the headline on the front of the, uh, of the mirror. Uh, Strictly Susanna. I knew we'd be bored with Susanna Reid, I'm afraid. Uh, now she's gone on to, uh, to Strictly. Uh, she's droning on about her her life and, and this, you know, and, oh, dear, it's just too tedious for words, I'm afraid. Far too tedious. 
but she's go- going on about it. They're just newsreaders. They're just auto-cuties. They just sit there and read somebody else's words up on a screen and sit there and do the little pouting bits. I'm not remotely interested, I'm afraid, in sort of, you know, what they think about dancing. They're doing it because they quite clearly either need the money or they're on some vile ego trip. Can't work out what it is at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Stuart Hall, who's in prison, as you know, uh, is now being questioned again over fresh claims that he repeatedly raped a girl aged 12. This made the papers uh, yesterday. And Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle has split from the girlfriend who loyally stood by him during his child's sex case hell. Well, that was the same as John Leslie, who's not apparently been invited to the This Morning, together with Fred Tolbert, who also wasn't invited for reasons best known to the management of the programme. Um, and I seem to remember that Abby Titmus stood by John Leslie throughout his ordeal, and then the moment it finished, she decided she wanted to be a celebrity. And so went off to become an actress and celebrity. Which sort of put some people's noses out of joint. Uh, the Daily Star. One Direction's Harry blows a fortune. Apparently he's out uh, gambling. I don't know where this is. It looks like a funny gambling place here. He's in a high-stakes casino. Well, any... It's in Australia, is it? Obviously, not, as, not as glamorous as Las Vegas, is it? Unfortunately. And uh, singer Adele is the latest star to get her own comic book. Which is all right. Joey Barton has begun his bid to become one of the world's greatest thinkers by going to his first uni lecture. He's going to the University of Roehampton in South West London. Does he live round my way, then? Does Joey Barton live round our... Oh, blimey. Not sure about that at all. Eyes peeled, ears open, brain engaged, tweeted the QPR player, who's on a philosophy course. Do me a favour. <laughs> Footballers, honestly, don't just love them. But this is even more interesting. One of the world's biggest pasta firms was facing a boycott last night after its boss banned gay people from his TV ads. Apparently, Guido Barilla, chairman of the Italian company Barilla, sparked fury when he made the comments during a radio interview. He said, I, was ne- I would never do a commercial with a homosexual family, not for lack of respect, but because we don't agree with them. Ours is a classic family where the woman plays a fundamental role. He then added, if gays like our pasta in our advertising, they'll eat our pasta. If they don't like it, then they won't. Gay rights groups have slammed the statement and vowed not to buy the firm's food. Head of the Equality Italia, Aurora Manscuni, says we, we accept the invitation from the Barilla owners not to eat their food. The gaffe could prove costly, as Italians each consume an average of 26 kilos of pasta a year. You remember, of course, Anita Bryant used to advertise orange juice in California until she made her homophobic remarks and the business collapsed overnight for her. Vile woman. Absolutely vile. But uh, now pasta as well. Funny man. But you always think, those who sort of worry about it, there's probably something deeper than that, I should imagine. Probably goes back to his prep school. Quarter past six. (laughs) 22 minutes past six. Friday morning. London town. Actually, it was so funny last night because I I was watching the television before I sort of... Texted the producer to get me a crunchy bar this morning. And, uh, and I looked out the window and thought, it's dark. It gets darker now, doesn't it? Because I was looking at uh, one of the news programmes and they had their reporter out there. And it was dark. It was really bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Nick Ferrari and the team. Eric Pickles will be on the programme this morning. Telling Nick why he thinks we should ease parking rules to encourage more motorists. Well, I have to be honest. I mean, I'm in favour of that. I'm not in favour of more motorists. But to be honest with you, some council, Richmond Council, are diabolical. They practically have 24-hour wardens. Even on bank holidays, they send the wardens round to make money. Most people think, oh, I can park on a bank holiday. Not in Richmond. They don't encourage you at all. They really don't. They're so, they're so mean. But, uh, but that's Richmond Caswell. You choose to live there, you know what the rules are. In Twickenham, we're, we're a lot nicer about things like that. We do have coffee mornings. 
And I'm sure you've got lots of coffee mornings. I know the Twickenham Tavern, Al and Claire, will be uh, opening up for uh, for coffee and cake, which is lovely. So uh, so that's that's why. Uh, lots of people will be raising money today. And there's another one at the Surbiton Club, St James's Road. They've got a Macmillan coffee morning. And we're going to be talking to Liz Hurley this coming Sunday for In Conversation. It's a good one this week. It's a very, very good one. Very, very good one. Uh, Katarina says, I'm ill in bed. It hurts. It aches. I lost my voice. Never mind, you've cheered me up. So there you go. Super jolly lunch and weekend. Yes, I mean, the weather's going to be not particularly brilliant over the weekend. It's not going to be too... We can cope with it, for goodness sake. Uh, one in six airline pilots have woken up in the cockpit to find their co-pilot asleep. Are they doing other jobs then or something? Are they, are they all moonlighting? Are they a bit like firefighters who generally have two or three jobs? It's not uncommon to see a, a black taxi outside a fire station. So they're, they're firemen and everything. It's a bit of a closed shop, I think. Uh, front of the, uh, the Daily Mail today, the long-term unemployed are to be told they must do an unpaid full-time job or be stripped of their benefits. About blooming time. There's no point in encouraging people to sort of take benefits. You need to get them off their bums and get them out there actually, actually doing something. You know, because that way it gives them that, that incentive, which is exactly what we said about Paul Gascoigne the other day. We said the reason he's drinking is because he's got the time on his hands to go drinking. From the moment he wakes up, he's probably sitting there counting the, the hours until the pub opens. Whereas, in fact, if he had a job to go to, he wouldn't be thinking about the booze all the time. Make it so much easier. So much easier. Uh, I've applied for tickets to watch Birds of a Feather at the London Studios. Fingers crossed I get them. Love the series first time around. Yeah, Julie, this is the ITV version of Birds of a Feather. And it's got that bloke from um, Busted, isn't it? Matt, uh, Matt Willis, whose wife appears on the television a lot. He's done a few things, but he's going in as Pauline Quirk's son, isn't it? Or was it the other one? Somebody's son he's going in as, which should be very interesting. I didn't know. Is he a, a stage school boy? He might be a stage school boy. That's why he's sort of, he's, he's up for it. I think it'll be quite good, provided the, the scripting is, is the same. It's the same people. And hopefully they'll do it. But will they move it on a bit? I didn't like it. And I was a bit disappointed in To the Manor Born. Because the characters hadn't, hadn't aged as I thought they would have done. It didn't, it didn't quite work for me. I, I did watch it a few times. Uh, Neil says, please wish our lovely Carol a successful Macmillan coffee morning. A charity that's very close to my heart. They were fantastic when both my lovely stepfather and my mum were dying with cancer. So good luck to all who are fundraising. Yeah, they, they were great when my mum was, was dying as well. The Macmillan nurses were fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and uh, worked. Uh, on the subject of Leslie Phillips, I met him at the Churchill Theatre in Bromley, says Jackie. When I was in my youth as a Red Cross first aider, I had a cuddle and autograph. <coughs> Naughty girl. Uh, and cakes. She sang, among our cakes, rock cakes, this is for, for raising money today, uh, Victoria's sponge with fresh blackberries. That's quite unusual, I didn't know. I love rock cakes. My mother used to make rock cakes. Love them. Lemon drizzle cake, one of my favourites. Scones or scones with Kentish clotted cream and homemade strawberry jam. Fairy cakes, gypsy tart. I can't remember what gypsy tart is. Do you remember what gypsy tart is, Sam? you remember what gypsy tart is, Will? So, care. What? Nothing. He's doing that impression of you upstairs on the pearly gates, isn't he, again? I had this fantasy earlier on. I was sort of asleep, and I dreamt that I died, and I went up to heaven, opened the, 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 the doors that opened, and there's Sam standing there with a white robe on, trimmed in gold, going, Welcome to heaven. I woke up screaming. It's not one of my better times. Uh, chocolate brownies. I can't stand chocolate brownies. Although, I know... Oh, I tell you... I was going to mention. Yesterday, I go to Waitrose, pick up a few... Let's just call them items. And, um... 
And what have they got out? Heston Blumenthal's Christmas puddings. They're already on sale. Now, my advice is, you don't want to get caught out, so perhaps you need to stockpile them. It doesn't matter if they've got loads, at least you've got yours in advance. He does one with chocolate in the middle, a liquid chocolate centre. He does one with an orange and one with a clementine. It's a smaller one for sort of people who live by themselves. So that, that's quite nice. But they were on I nearly bought three yesterday. I thought, no, don't be silly. And then I thought, wait a minute, I've already bought a Christmas pudding anyway. I've already got a Christmas pudding sitting in the boot of the car. <laughs> Hoping it's going to last. Uh, Steve, you still have to pay to park in Beckenham as well on a bank holiday. Uh, Jim says, just to up a myth, supermarket fuel comes from the same storage tanks. It's not a lower grade at all. It's cheap because... No, no, it is. It's definitely a different grade. It's absolutely a different grade. I'll put money on that one. See you in court on that one. There you go. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Actually, we've got no more time, I've just realised. We're going to sort of run out of time very quickly in about a minute. So let me tell you that on Sunday morning, it's going to be In Conversation. Three guests for In Conversation this time round. You lucky people. So uh, don't miss that, or don't forget to podcast, please. From six, from five, it's the best of Steve Allen. Uh, Nicola McLean turned up in the Big Brother house, dreadful old woman, and, uh, and the ghastly Sophie Anderton, and uh, managed to, to flash her knickers. Such a class act, both of them, aren't they, really? It's a bit dreary when you get sort of people going back to the Big Brother house because the National Trust have opened it as something, but the publicity-hungry Nicola and uh, poor old Sophie decided to get in there and, and do their bit. Anyway, listen, have a, have a great weekend. It's not going to be the best weather, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Get out there, get the car washed, do something. Tidy up the garden in time for winter, which I'm assured is just around the corner. Do join me Sunday morning from five for the best of Steve Allen and the In Conversation. Nick and the team, with Nick Dubois as well, doing the uh, papers. We'll be here just after the news at seven. I'll be back with you Sunday and then Monday morning as well. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.